Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. My God, is that the sun? We got the sun in Regina. The sun in Saskatchewan. Who knew we'd be excited about that? Usually isn't this the place for sun, but we got sun now. It's great. Maybe the power won't go off. The The power lines can melt a little bit, at least the frost off those power lines. This is a hot show. We're going to melt some stuff around here. The show is brought to you by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Our buddy Sean Kleisinger is in Saskatoon for a medical appointment, so we have got the... Uh, the Ayatollah of programming here at uh, Harvard Broadcast. That might be your first. Yeah, well, I was going to call. I was trying to find a catchy thing. Like, I wanted to call you the round mound of sound, but yep. you're not that round. Uh, tiny tot of the kilowatt. That's what That's uh, what. It was? That's, okay. that's been used, yeah. Okay, my uh, buddy Abby White here, the program director here uh, beside me on the board riding shotgun. Uh, yeah, so if you want to text in, please do so. You can weigh in anytime, 936-6262. Uh, that's, a, that's a local number to call if you want to talk sports or 1-866-767-0620. As we like to do on this show, we keep things going, uh, kind of like a ballsy and friends type of thing. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Lots going on in the world of sports, as you uh, can imagine. First off, out of the shoot here, Abby, let's talk about this. There's two games in the NHL. Ottawa's at Pittsburgh. Now, Ottawa basically had to sweep two games here against Pittsburgh in order to really keep themselves within a puncher's chance before the All-Star break, because they're trying to catch uh, Pittsburgh in the East. They beat them the other night. Highly entertaining game, 4-3. to three. Colorado is at Vancouver. The Canucks season's been circling the drain, uh, and they're their own worst enemies in some cases. They have the most blown three goal leads in NHL history. Like it's, I think it's like eight three goal blown leads so far this season. This season, yeah, yeah. we still got like half the season to go. And like sports is great, the business side in a lot of cases sucks, and you know that because you have a lot of for, former and current CFL players, NHL players, stuff that are your friends like me. But this is interesting. You want the best in reality programming? How about? Or worst. <laughs> What's going on in Vancouver? Oh, Bruce Boudreaux is the head coach of the Canucks, but Jim Rutherford, the president, has said we are we are talking to other candidates. <laughs> we are talking to other candidates, but he's still our guy. He wasn't at so he doesn't show up at practice this morning right away. He wasn't on the ice, and his wife called him in tears, thinking he'd already been fired, but he was just delayed getting on the ice. So anyway, they they address it with Bruce Boudreaux, uh after practice today and this is what uh, bruce had to say how do you personally approach this back to back and, and will you take some time to savor it i don't know yet i really you know i mean I'd be a fool not to say that i don't know what's going on but uh, um i just like i said before you come to work and uh, uh you realize you know how great the game is no it's it's so you get a little emotional just now. What does it mean to you to be head coach? I'll talk later. It's, it's crazy. It's like I'm going to divorce you and I'm dating somebody else, but you're still my person to help me pay the mortgage till I yeah. get somebody else. It's really I, messed up. I feel really bad for Bruce because, you know, I've heard so many great things about yep. him as a person and as a coach. And mm -hmm. 
they're just in a tough spot. The team has got some players that are just underachieving, and I don't think they know what to do. They've got this young team that they thought were going to be mm-hmm. on rolling right now, and they're not. They're they're struggling. They gave all the money to J.T. Miller and really uh, negotiated against themselves because now Horvat won't sign there, and he's not going to stay there, so they screwed themselves. And, like, Boudreaux lifted them off the map when he came back. Like, they were swirling the drain before he yeah, got okay. there. They were playing well for him. So I hope tonight, like, in the first... TV timeout or something, the fans give him like a standing O or something like that and make him feel good because he'll probably be done after the weekend. Yeah, there's no question it's going to be very soon. You know, yeah. who it's going to be, there's obviously talk about whether it's going to be talk it, yeah. probably. Yeah. I heard Babcock's name come up yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yesterday as well, so I don't know. I got lots of friends that are Canucks fans, and, you know, they just, they're so they're, devastated over where their team is at. They're now, embarrassed. They're yeah. also licking their chops because they, they're like, do we just tank? And mm-hmm. hopefully. Get Bedard. That's very. He's a, yeah. he's a Vancouver kid, mm-hmm. so if there's any player Chance. they would ever want yeah. for their franchise, it'd be him. Right? Speaking of Bedard, tonight the uh, Regina Pats are in Swift Current to take on the Swift Current Broncos. We'll get into more of that in a, in a few minutes with some stats, but uh, yeah, we'll have the game at six thirty-five with Dante to carry. It's a weekend set. Pats there at Speedy Creek here against the Broncos, and they're tangling for a playoff spot. Hey, uh, Al Dumba, who's been on our broadcast, his nephew, Matt Dumba, being sat for the second straight game. Apparently, he's been benched because of poor play, but let's be honest, he's an unrestricted free agent after this year, and he'll be traded. Well, there were some rumors that maybe he was going to Edmonton yeah. last night because uh, oh, yeah. Pugliarvi got... That, the, year uh, bo- the game before. Pugliarvi played last night, but the game before, before he that's scratched. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, right. But then you think... Maybe Vancouver, you know, Who like knows? like um, Ekman Larsman has been having yeah. not a good season. Yeah, and you know, I think he's still a good player. He's just he's that team just they need to blow that up. Like there's just bad yeah mojo in that locker yeah. room. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So maybe he's a player that uh, you know, thing that, is Minnesota's that Minnesota a per- Minnesota's in. a pretty good team. So it's like yeah. they don't want to just discard him either, but I guess if you're benching him, you would. Hey, the Edmonton Elks defensive tackle, Jamin Pelly's officially declared for the 2023 draft. This guy's a building with feet. 6'5", 330 pounds. Spent the majority of training camp and CFL preseason working on the offensive line, but then he played his natural defensive tackle spot where he excelled at the UFC. Won a Vanier Cup with Calgary, then dropped out of school. Uh, he suited up for uh, 16 games with the Elks, recording 11 tackles. Speaking of the Stamps, they re-signed DB Jonathan Moxie to a two-year extension. Uh, Moxie, 28, a West Division All-Star last season, 26 defensive tackles, two special team stops, and a punt return, and led the league with 13 knockdowns. Okay, this is interesting. So, was it a couple? So the so the um, Chiefs beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl, but then they lost to Brady and the Bucks, and they lost to Brady and the Bucks because their O-line was banged up. I see the same thing happening this weekend in Buffalo because the Bengals have... Two of their offensive linemen out for sure now. They've they've listed now that um, Alex Kappa is out, and so is uh, jo- Jonah Williams. So they're both out for the game against the Buffalo Bills. That's going to be interesting. Well, I think it's the the highlight matchup of the weekend. When it, it comes is. to football games for sure. I mm. uh, love seeing these young quarterbacks, and uh, you know I want both franchises to do well. Me too, um, especially the Bengals. But but again, when it comes to personnel, yeah, next man up. They're going to have to step up if they're going to have any chance. Yeah, but right? the re- I, and I agree with like that's the lingo you always hear. But the next man up means he wasn't the first man up or the second man up. So yeah, he could be the next man up, but he's not necessarily a good man that's coming up. You know what I mean? Somebody that can hold the fort. So it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow 
I mean, he can make it happen. So do you think the Bengals are going to win? I don't think so. No, No, I don't think so either. I think the Bills are are just going to take it, as much as it kind of pains me to say that. Although, I mean, the Bills franchise is long overdue for a win, too, and they got some pretty faithful Mm -hmm. fans, so I don't care either way. My team sucks, so I'm out. Like (laughs) yours. Yeah, yeah, and I'm the uh, Falcons of the uh, AFC, the Chargers. (laughs) Now, sometimes it takes careful thought to understand where the NFL is going. Other times, it's a no-brainer. With a potential AFC championship game in Atlanta between the Bills and Chiefs, that's what's going to happen. And because of what happened with Hamlin, DeMar Hamlin, it would be a neutral site game. They have sold 50,000 tickets in 24 hours for a potential AFC neutral site championship game. And so here's what the NFL said. Um, uh, just trying to see exactly. The league wants everyone to know in the event both teams don't win this weekend, it would have been awesome. That's what they said. But both teams are probably going to win. Kansas City over Jacksonville oh, yeah. and Buffalo. So what what you can see happening here, Abby, is like in the in the College Bowl series where you have a, a, a game in air, like neutral site yeah, in Arizona. Sure, yeah. It's going to be from now on, these championship games will be neutral site because in their release, they said, imagine half the stadium's Buffalo and half the stadium's Kansas City. And they come to Atlanta and more money for the community. Like, that's what it's going to be, man. Right. But when you think about it, the whole point of your season and dominating and doing well is home field advantage. True. You literally play the season so that you can host that game so wherever yeah. you are, that yeah. your fans make the difference. So it would take away from that. So I don't know if I agree. I don't agree with, with, but, with but, that. But, but that being said, it would be, oh, yeah, for sure, lots of money. But it would be, yeah, I, I mean, if that game was here, yeah, as if I wouldn't go see, would you go? Yeah. see the Chiefs and the Bills. Are you yeah. kidding me? It would be one of the best games of the year. And it's all about the dollar bills. So you're right. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm a traditionalist. But at the end of the day, if you offer players X amount more in their revenue pie, they'll sign up for it. And that's why I'm saying, why wouldn't the NFL go for the loser bowl like I like little Michael Ball has proposed in Regina? The loser bowl. Don't play this sham of a flag football game between the the, the conference championships and the Super Bowl, play the loser bowl. So the worst team, the Bears, play the Texans for the right to the first pick. Yep. Nobody can tank. Uh, Abby is playing on the Bears. If he, if he wins, he gets fi- everybody gets 50000 The losers get 25000 or whatever it is. And so then the players are incentivized. And they make money. <laughs> and then when the game's over, instead of hoisting a trophy, they just walk over to the player that they're going to select and yeah. lift him up. That's right. He's, like, in a go- he's on a golden like yeah. uh, seat, yeah. and they lift him up. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, you know right away. Okay, Unless we, he's a 300-pound D-line. We won that guy. That's who we're taking <laughs> on our team. Yeah. Anyway, when we come back, we'll talk Regina Pats hockey, and we'll hear from their defenseman, Tanner Brown. The show is brought to you by Nelson Holmes. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And wherever you're listening on this sunny Friday, we're coming to you live from downtown Regina. We know you have choices. Thanks for choosing us. It is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM or on our app. You can listen to us anywhere. You can't use the excuse, I can't get you. You're out of range. First of all, we're never out of range. we got a powerful signal. Second of all, we're never out of range. It's called technology and you can get us anywhere and we're happy uh, you're choosing us. By the way, I didn't mention UFC 283 in Brazil and they've got three Brazilians on the card. 
Glover, uh, Glover Teixeira of Brazil against Jamal Hill in the lightweight uh, championship. We've got the flyweight championship, another Brazilian, Davison Figueiredo against uh, Brandon Moreno. It's the fourth time they're fighting, and that's the first time this has ever happened in UFC history where two fighters have fought each other four times. And a welterweight bout, it, no championship implications, but it should be a good one, they're saying. Now, I am not a UFC expert. I'm going to go down south and sit with my son for a couple of days. He is, so I'll watch it, be able to report back to you next week. Gilbert Burns, a Brazilian, 20-5 and record against Neil Magny, 27-9. and That means nothing to me. Abby, this would be fu- This is funny. <laughs> now, there's not a lot of sports that can regulate what kind of underwear you can wear. Okay? Right. But NASCAR just became one of them. Drivers must now wear flame-resistant undies. Their helmet skirts and socks have to be fire-resistant too, but now you have to have, because you don't want, that's one area you don't want to be burned, (laughs) okay? And so now you have to have the, uh, you have to have underwear that is flame-resistant. There's so many jokes. Oh, I know. (laughs) So little time. I know, yeah, yeah, family show, family show. Regina Pats hockey tonight, we mentioned it, and we'll have it uh, throughout the uh, broadcast here. We're going to hear from John Paddock a little later on, because this is Hockey Week in Saskatchewan, and I believe Hockey Day in Saskatchewan in Martinsville. Tonight, the Pats and Broncos meet in Swift Current, 635 pregame show. They're neck and neck in the Eastern Conference standings with two points separating the two clubs heading into the uh, game tonight. The Broncos do have three games in hand, on the Pats. Pats are coming off three home victories in a row and impressive ones. They beat the Blades 7-4 and they beat the Portland Winterhawks 4-3 and Connor Bedard has come back, Abby, and he is playing like the treadmill is turned down to six. Yeah, that World Juniors, you can tell when he came back that the game seemed a whole lot slower in the dub because he has been on fire. Yeah. And it's, you look at it and go, how much further can this streak go? I mean, 30 games with points, and and just those last three, the amount of like I think he's got nine goals in the, those yeah. three games, like just he's one he's one goal away from one hundred in his brief WHL career. He's got ninety nine goals, one hundred and seven assists for two hundred and six points in one hundred and eight games played. Yeah, like unbelievable, not bad, unbelievable. Uh, Pat's head coach, GM John Paddock, has one hundred and ninety six wins, so four away as a member of the Regina Pat's coaching staff, and uh, six away from tying Frankie Mario for two hundred two for third all-time wins list. There you go. So, And he's going to join us a little later on. We're going to talk to him about his hockey memories and favorite hockey memories. Let me ask you, what's your first memory of hockey? I would say, well, obviously probably watching it on TV as yeah. a kid. But Is I there remember, one moment or anything like that? I mean, I remember growing up, I grew up in Moose Jaw, so uh, yeah. there was an outdoor rink yeah. that wasn't very far away from where, uh, mm. where I lived. So I remember my dad and my uncle taking me out to learn how to skate and see what was going on and that kind of stuff. So, you know, I remember that as a kid. And and as I got a little older, probably the one big memory was was when Thurin Fleury was playing with the Warriors back then. Oh, yeah. Uh, he would show up at the outdoor rink sometimes and uh, and play hockey. So when you're a little kid, you know, yeah. you're like, wow, this is – yeah. This guy's amazing, right? I remember my grandpa in Indian Head. He used to sit. He died really, like, he was only five when he died. But I remember briefly, he used to be like Gretzky's grandma, and he'd sit in a chair, and I could take shots at him on the on the driveway. So he'd have, like, bruised shins and stuff. And then the <laughs> other thing I remember is my grandma there had the long, like, uh, brown meter sticks, you know, like the meter sticks. That they would yeah. whip you with? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. no. So my, my brother and I used them as hockey sticks in her long kitchen with the old 70s lino, and we'd use... The Crokinole 
things. That would be yeah. our hockey puck. Okay. And just tick off my dad and his brother when they're trying to watch sports <laughs> in the living room. We're out here fighting and pretending we're watching or playing hockey. So that's some of my hockey memories. Uh, check this out. We can talk just about Bedard, but the Pats of other great guys. 53 points for Alex Suzdalev to lead all WHL rookies. Oh, like, yeah, he's, he's also a too. really good player. Yeah, yeah he's good. And so, how about uh, Sposal? Yep. Uh, five assists in two games for Stanislav Sposal since coming back from the World Juniors. Yeah, he, uh, again, some of these players, when they go play with the elites, mm-hmm. and then they come back, and it's not that there's other good players, but it does, like, I think mm-hmm. for them, it feels like the game slows down a little yeah. bit, yeah. and they got a little more time, and they can see yeah. what's going on. I think if you're the Pats, though, you want to play well, but you want to kind of hang around seventh, because you want to play Red Deer in that first round. That's probably your best first-round matchup, and I'm not saying that to slight Red Deer, but you certainly don't want to go against the likes of the Winnipeg Ice in the first round. So you kind of want to hang around that seventh, play Red Deer in the first round, and then see where you can go from there yeah at least somebody you've had some success yeah. against right yeah like yeah. winnipeg nobody's beating winnipeg well but last year i thought winnipeg was going to go all the way and they it's lost true. so it's true okay so our own blaine wyland went down to practice the other day and you can have all these uh high-end players but you also need the guys that bring the grit the sandpaper the glue guys okay not everybody can be the superstar per se but they have a role in their own right and this guy would be one of them blaine wyland in conversation with tanner brown I'm Blaine Wallen, joined with the fansman for the Regina Pats, Tanner Brown. And Tanner, uh, just want to get your thoughts about the buzz in the building that was here in the Brand Center last weekend, those two games against Saskatoon and Portland. Was it like playing in front of those two big crowds? Yeah, obviously it's super fun and it brings a lot of energy to our group. When you get that, you know, big energy, how do you feed off of it? I know a lot of players, you know, like to score big goals, but is that a situation where you like to step up your physical game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything you can do to, to uh, get guys on the bench uh, rolling and, and that kind of stuff is something I always look forward to do. Can you talk about the, the defensive game over the last couple of weeks? I mean, obviously Stan coming back is a huge part of that. Um, and I think in practice, you know, we really dialed some things in uh, that were lacking when we came back from Christmas. You talked about uh, Solzel coming back. You want to talk a little bit more about exactly what his impact is? And- yeah, I mean, obviously he's so calm and uh, poised with the puck and he, he's... Uh, so strong when he skates, uh, he pretty much breaks it out himself every time. So it's, it's a treat watching him, and it's really good to have him back. A big day that was recently passed in the WHL, of course, was the trading deadline. What was the vibe inside of the locker room for you guys, you know, leading up and after the, that big day? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been on the other side of it. I think lots of people are a little bit anxious and that kind of stuff. So I think as an older guy, you kind of just, you know, it's just another day. And if something happens, it happens. It's not like you can control it. What was your reaction when you got shipped here? Yeah, obviously, I was super excited. I've... Uh, played Regina lots of, across my four or five years in this league so um, I know what they're kind of all about I had a couple buddies here so I talked to them and, and yeah I was obviously super excited of course last season you had a little bit of playoff experience with Winnipeg is there something that you take uh, from that playoff experience that you bring to the team I mean when I was 16 I went uh, all the way to the finals with Vancouver there and then last year with Winnipeg we went pretty deep as well so I mean I think I have a fair bit of experience or at least the most on this team for sure yeah so I think just I can lead the way a little bit and, and give give guys a peace of mind do you have a different perspective from those two experiences, obviously being a youngster to being a little bit more of a veteran? Yeah, I mean, last year I obviously had a way bigger role than I did when I was 16. Um, when I was 16, I don't even think I, I touched the ice. I mean, I dressed a couple times, but but no shifts, unfortunately. I mean, that's the way it goes. Um, yeah, so I think I've definitely gained some experience, and I'm, and I'm really looking forward to help. Uh, you guys had a little bit of a break for six days off. Is it hard to maintain momentum like you guys sustained over the last weekend? Uh, yes and no. Uh, I mean, obviously, times off games is a little bit tough, but, I mean, we've had a really good week of practice. Things have been flowing good. Our energy's been high. Uh, lots of battle and compete, that kind of stuff to keep us in it, so I think we should be ready to go. Is it too early to use those cliches for this upcoming weekend against the Broncos, you know, must-win playoff games? Is it too early? 
No, I don't think it's too early at all. I mean, these are huge points for us. What's it like facing a team back-to-back, you know, for a player like yourself? Do you enjoy the atmosphere of facing the team twice in two nights? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I kind of like to be the villain a little bit, so I think it's fun when you uh, get to play the same team two nights in a row. Favorite NHL player and team growing up? Uh, Favorite NHL player growing up? uh, Maybe Chara, and obviously my favorite team after that would be the Bruins. What was your favorite hockey memory growing up? Probably early morning skates with my dad. What's your favorite thing about Regen besides being a Pat? Uh, besides being a Pat, I mean, I don't know. I, we got a lot of great guys. Um, I got really good billets. I'm just thankful to be here. And if hockey doesn't work out for you, do you got any idea what you, know, what you want to do when you grow up? Uh, no, I'm not really too certain yet. Obviously, uh, playing pro is the end goal, but we'll see what happens. All right, so that is a Tanner Brown in conversation uh, with our uh, friend Blaine Weiland down there at the Brand Center. Michael Wall back in studio at the corner of 12th and Rose along with program director and my operator for the day, Abby White. No, it wasn't bring your program director to work day. Yeah. It's just he has to fill in because our buddy Sean Kleisinger had a medical appointment. It's hot. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say it's National DJ Day today, so I, just wanted, I just wanted to play DJ. Oh, That's wow. You're doing awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, I, I, it is a, a hockey week in Saskatchewan. It is hockey day. I'm going to have Kelly Rempel on a little later on to talk about that and some hockey memories. Do you have a favorite Saskatchewan barn that you like to go watch hockey in or that you've been in or anything like that, whether it's senior well, hockey, the crush can. Yeah, probably the crush yeah, can. That's yeah. where the majority of my memories as a kid yeah. would have been for and sure. That, yeah. And, you know, whether you like the Warriors or not, that was, like, there's nothing like going in on oh. a Friday or a Saturday night, people sweating, they're hot on you and everything like that. You know what I mean? The rivalry in the 80s and 90s, yes. like, it was awesome in there. Yeah. Yeah, I remember one guy jawjacking us in the booth, and we told him to sit down and a few other things. He's like, hey, and welcome back to the Pats game. Uh, we're going to have more of the sports cage coming up, including after 4.30, you can chase the ace for some cash. This is the sports cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage, right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Monday Nooner Senior Hockey Report here on the Sports Cage this week. Lots of interesting senior hockey matchups coming up, fellas. Provincial time is here and a new contest where uh, us three degenerates want to give somebody a trip to the Elk Ridge Resort with some great sponsors. Yeah, you just got to go onto any of the socials, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for Monday Nooner. You're going to see it there. There's even a barcode. Wow, are we advanced. And you can fill out a bracket for the provincial senior uh, in D, C, B, and A. And we're going to calculate points. Thanks to our sponsors, Roof Mart, Richie Brothers Auctioneers, and GB Construction. You're going to win a sweet prize package to golf at Elk Ridge this summer. And if you're ripping around any of the rinks, I think we got posters are getting put up. You'll see it. Boom, your phone. Click that QR code. Takes you right into the bracket. Pick your teams. Get them in. Why wouldn't a guy? Why wouldn't a guy want to go to Elk Ridge? Or girl. Yeah, awesome giveaway. Awesome sponsors. It's really easy to do. So if you want to uh, enjoy. And it makes the games way more enjoyable, right? All of a sudden you care about a Friday night game, Kyle against Bigger, that you would have never cared about otherwise. So it makes the action a little more exciting. This week in our top 10, boys, uh, it was hard and it was all over the map. We have some new teams and we're going to run it down quickly here. I'll start the number 10 team, the number one team right now in the Sask East Hockey League, actually playing out of Manitoba, the Swan Valley Axemen. 
Yeah, number nine was the Oxbow Huskies from the Big Six. Number eight, Wilkie Outlaws. Number seven from the Sask Valley Hockey League, the Kyle Elks. They have a couple of big games coming up in the next 10 week to 10 days here. We're going to see what they're all about. These guys came out of nowhere. Number six, the Odessa Vibank Bruins. Number five, these guys have been hanging around all year, not going anywhere, I don't think. The Winyard Monarchs. Top team in the Big Six Hockey League. They're our number four team, the Redvers Rockets. Oh, the mighty have fallen at number three. Well, they fall from number one to number three, but they've still got their eyes on a provincial A and a Sask West title. They're still good. They just lost one game and their goalie was in Ireland. The Kindersley Senior Clippers. A great team, fellas. I know these guys are going to be tough to beat up the number 11, the Davidson Cyclones. And the number one team, they're back in the number one spot, the Keniston Blizzard from the Sask Valley Hockey League, the number one team in the province this week. That's our uh, top 10 on the show for general well servicing. If you're interested in playoff hockey, provincial hockey in the province, we're covering it all. We're the only place to uh, talk senior hockey other than when Ballsy uh, invites us onto the show. So we hope you can tune in and join us. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back. Michael Ball along with Abby White as we are uh, rolling along on this Friday. Got a great show lined up for you. Uh, We're going to hear from John Paddock in a little bit. Glenn Suter will join us. We'll also hear from uh, former referee in the NHL, Dave Jackson. He's the rules analyst on ESPN. Chase the Ace and our betting expert, Andy McNamara. Plus, we had two good segments this week, like two killer guests. We usually uh, usually do one sports cage rewind. We're going to do two. Jeremy O'Day for one, Nathan Rourke for the other. Let's start there with the NFL for a second here. So uh, Nathan Rourke going to Jacksonville. My Chargers blew a 27-0 lead. Third worst collapse in in NFL playoff history, the head coach survives. Offensive coaches get gassed. Uh, that's just charging it not only on the field but in the offseason. But uh, the uh, Jags advance to take on the Kansas City Chiefs who got the bye. I think the Chiefs are favored by 8.5. I like the Chiefs to win, but not by that much. Like, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I really don't. Yeah, it's hard to say because, you know, they haven't played a team like Kansas City, like yeah. the, the Jags, yeah. right? So, But they're, they're playing they're, with house they're, money, though. They're playing yeah. with house money. Yeah, they got nothing to lose. Yeah. They go in there and, yeah. and, and could surprise everybody. It's football. And we were you laughing about Lawrence's Saturday stat, right? Yeah, never lost on a Saturday before in his career. Now, that's high school and college. And NFL. And NFL up to this point. Mm. But again, haven't had a big matchup. Uh, in the NFL, like they're about yeah. to have. So, but again, they got nothing to lose. Nothing so what to do you lose. Care? Yeah. So I think Kansas City wins that. The Giants, uh, Eagles. When I ask a lot of people who the upset's going to be this week, a lot of people are buying the Giants. They think the Giants are going to beat the Eagles. I, I'm surprised at the lack of respect the Eagles are getting. They're good on both lines, although their O-line's nicked up a bit. When Lane Johnson doesn't play and he's not playing because he's got a knee injury, it affects the Eagles. They're not as good. But I still think the Eagles are going to beat the Giants. But you're nodding your head. You think the Giants are going to win? I picked the Giants to win that really? game. Really? Yep. I, wow. Uh, I don't know why. And again, it's not that I don't think the Eagles are a good team. I mean, Jalen Hurts could have, yeah. a, have another great game, but... Mm-hmm. You know, the Giants have been kind of that that team that's been really, really good, and then they kind of were whatever. But that last game, they really showed that they are a good football team, yeah. uh, especially on defense. And I think they're going to make 
I think they're going to make Philadelphia's life very difficult. I don't think the Eagles are like juggernauts by any stretch of the imagination. They are. I think they're kind of a bit of a phony best team in the NFC type deal, but they're still a good team. I still think they'll be good enough to beat the Giants, but it wouldn't be a shocker. And Brian Dable, who's the head coach of the Giants, he's coach of the year. He's got to be coach of the year. Doug Peterson would be close to get the Jags to where they are, but he's the coach of the year. Now, the other games. We kind of touched on this. I think we're both on board. We haven't changed in the last five minutes. I think it's the Bills. It's got to be the Bills. Yeah, I, I want I, the Bengals to win, but it's going to be the Bills. Otherwise, somebody's getting thrown through a table. <laughs> Actually, they're going to get thrown through a table anyways. So, Have, Is Hamlin coming to show up at that game or no? I don't know. Um, because that would be something. Yeah, I mean, we saw this story just about him. He faces a long rehab ahead yeah. of him, obviously, yeah. because uh had this incredible um, well, he recovery, should, yeah. but he still... Uh, you know, has uh, his heart monitored and he's on oxygen and things like that. Like, so uh, I don't see why. If be he, honest. If, if, he, if he could, he yeah. should. Be um, honest. Do you think, I thought he was dead. I thought like he was, well, he did die on the field, yeah. but I thought he was dead. And to to get where he's at is crazy. I, I think it's because of where we are in society now. We're, we're where every stadium has, you know, the 80s and, and, yeah. and like they have all the stuff that they need. And of course, they're the best of the best. Mm-hmm. there now right back in the 80s it wasn't like that and and I'm glad that every rank and all this has that because you never know these athletes go at such a, a high pace that anything can happen at any time so I I was scared but I I, I really you know I'm glad that the outcome came that he was yeah for sure okay long before you were here Abby White I was the safety coordinator here at the Harvard like I went and took <laughs> would have been in your hands <laughs> I, I went and took CPR and stuff that was years ago I, I I could kind of do it if I had to. So like if you dropped over, I could potentially try to save your life. Depending <laughs> on what, are you what's staying alive? What song you when you're doing chest compressions? Yeah, you, which one? Uh, yeah, okay, maybe I couldn't save your life. Uh, yeah, you got no rhythm. No, I got no rhythm. But I would tell you this. Uh, I think it's a skill everybody should have. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Uh, What that assistant athletic, uh, Denny Kennington's his name, that guy should get an ESPY this year or something awarded to him. That's the the story of the year. You can't top that story. That is the story of the year in sports. No, you saved someone's life. Yeah. That's that's about as good as a human thing you can do for anybody else. And in the process... You help the NFL make money because, like we said in the earlier conversation, they're now going to probably move everything to neutral site for the championship games, and that's where it all started. So there you go. He should get a piece of the pie. Uh, So so we got the Bills winning there, and only because the injuries on the O-line for the the Bengals. The interesting game, though, is going to be Brock Purdy and the 49ers against Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. I'm not going off this. That's my upset. Dallas is beating San Francisco. I think Dallas is on a bit of a roll, and I I would not be shocked. In fact, I'm saying it right now. Kansas City-Dallas Super Bowl. Yeah, I also picked Dallas to win on uh, mm. on Sunday. I just... Again, they're a really good football team. Yeah, and they just you know they've had games where they haven't shown it this season, but they're they're mm-hmm. hitting that stride right now. Mm. And if there's any time to hit the stride, it's obviously as you <laughs> enter the playoffs. And Brock Purdy's been an incredible story in San Fran. Uh, I, I like I said I went to the Niners game in Week Two, mm-hmm. and that was uh, when Trey went down. Yeah, Trey Lance. You know, Trey yeah. Lance went down, and then. Uh, you know, Jimmy came in, and then he was all right. But then now it's some Brock Purdy show, and and he's been playing in like absolutely incredible. I don't think anybody expected to get what they're getting out of this guy. And uh, you know, again, he's got nothing to lose because he's just he's just having fun out there. Let's be honest, though, that coach Kyle Shanahan deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, I mean, come on. When you talk about depth, 
right? Yes. I mean, they're the best football team per like, se. Like they're they're literally going to have a, a QB. You know what? He I, I think Jimmy G is going to be going somewhere He'll be else gone, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But like you know, starter next year. Do you give it to Purdy because he got he got you there, or is Trey your guy still? Like well, they were talking, they call. were talking about Brady before then. Like you know, Brady could go there, but I don't think so. Like Why? if Brock, if Brock Purdy gets on a roll here, yeah. as he has been, not gets on a roll, he is on a roll. If the roll continues, I don't think you move off him. I don't know how you move off it. What if you win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy? You have to keep him. Absolutely, it's like in hockey. If your goaltender is winning games, yes, you are not switching your yeah. goaltender. Yeah. You let him, you ride him in the playoffs until. Until he well, you know. Drew Bledsoe got hurt, and a guy named Brady came off the bench and never looked back. I'm not saying that's what he's going to be, but that's crazy. But I got Dallas winning that game, so it'll be it's going to be very interesting to see how that shakes down. Back to hockey, it is hockey week in Saskatchewan, uh, and we kind of touched on our memories. What's your first NHL game you went to? Uh, it's funny you ask that because my birthday's coming up in February, mm-hmm. and I got thinking about it because the very first NHL game I ever got to go to wasn't until I was in college. Okay, yeah. So it would have been uh, 1996, and I went to Calgary, and I saw the Flames and the Bruins play February 11th, 1996. Wow. Wow. Is that a Gin- was it there yet? Uh, yeah, I think he was yeah, playing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I don't nice. remember a lot of the game. I was in college, so. Yeah. You know. So I remember the very first NHL game I went to uh, – was in Saskatoon. It was a neutral site game between Pat Quinn, Pavel Burry, and the Vancouver Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers with Jason Arnott. Glenn Sather was the yeah, coach. Yeah. In fact, the Canucks filled out the lineup wrong, and they got a penalty at the start of the game, and, you know, chewing his gum, Quinn freaked out and everything like that. I remember that game because we bought tickets, my, my then-brother-in-law and I, with our sports select winning sports select had just started and we were quick. This was a Saturday night. We were quickly filling out uh, a form like, you know, okay, this, this is before the five o'clock cutoff. And we're watching the games later at his house. And we thought we had won $850, but we had filled the card out wrong. So we didn't win it. Okay. Like the, the ticket was wrong. Then we thought, Oh, we got to try again. So the next day we filled it out. We ended up winning 900 the next day. And that's what we used to buy the tickets. Nice. So it, was, it was good. And the very first time I bought tickets to a game in Edmonton, uh, my then wife was sitting uh, a seat in front of me. Like, so like, yeah. it was up from her and the Oilers were playing the Habs and Bob Asenza was their goalie, and he was racing to the bench because it was a delayed penalty. Oilers are on the power play. And do you remember the guy Yanni Ninema? Yes, sir. Came to the Oilers from the Flyers. He races in from the left point to keep the puck in. So now we've got a six on five, right? Because they got the empty net till the Habs touch it. He turns around and passes it back to the blue line that he just vacated and put <laughs> it into the Oilers' empty net. So the Habs are going to get a penalty and sco- got a goal, and they lost 5-2. I remember that like it was plain plain as day. And my, my other hockey memory, brief one, Abby, my dad's taking me skating, and he is not Paul Coffey, okay, at the best of times. Like, not, not an athlete at all, okay? And I'm getting tired as like a little five-year-old kid. And my dad picks me up to, to carry me. And he decides to put me on his shoulders. And he can bear, he's, he's a wobbling guy, right? As it is. He's on the, he's wearing the old like Jean Rattel skates. Okay. Like they're right. like, those old blades. He hits a divot in the Indian head rink. And I don't know why he did this, but he threw me. And I went over the boards into the stands and broke my leg. My dad broke my leg, threw me into the stands in Indian head, saved himself. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy, man. 
Yeah, wow, that's a that's a that's, hockey that's memory a heck of a story. Yeah. <laughs> so no wonder I love football first. Uh, when we come back, a guy who's four wins away from 200 as a Regina Pats head coach, John Paddock, will join us. It's the Sports Cage on this Friday for Nelson Holmes. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here with Regina Pats head coach and GM John Paddock. Before we get to the big weekend set, John, I want to talk about hockey because it's hockey week in Saskatchewan. You have been in this game a long time, my friend. What's your first hockey memory, John? Oh, I was thinking that after hearing from you earlier today. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, as far back as I can remember anything, I remember hockey. I remember, so I remember grade one. So I think we, at times, at hockey practice, you know, at four o'clock after school, that might be the first one. Um, you know, there's different stages that I remember, but uh, clearly it's been um, about 63 years that I've been putting on skates to enjoy the game or play the game or as a job. And so, um, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't have been doing that. Yeah, no kidding, man. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Did, did you collect cards as a kid? Like, do you remember the first hockey card you ever got? Uh, not the first one, but yes, I did. Uh, I think I was given some older ones by cousins. And then I remember collecting baseball cards and hockey cards. Uh, baseball cards, you know, we're talking about that, came off of cereal boxes. Hockey cards, the beehive corn syrup. Oh, yeah. Had a thing where you collected plaques. You got plaques. And I think there was maybe like 20 circles about the size of, I don't know, 50 cent piece or something or a toonie now that mm-hmm. fit in there and you try to collect all the, all the, uh, all the six teams, all that there was in the National Hockey League then. Wow. Hey, uh, John, who was your first, uh, I don't know, is idol the right word, but the first hockey player you looked up to? Um, you know, I, I was a Toronto Maple Leaf fan. Uh, so my grandmother was who lived in the same house. Mm-hmm. So we were Toronto fans. Uh, I think she was, and I sort of took like and that was Red Kelly. Oh yeah. So it was somebody, um, you know, I got his autograph when I was in Ottawa before a game one time and got to meet him. Um, passed up. My dad was a Detroit Red Wing fan. So of course, Gordy was the, you know, a star of the NHL then. And, uh, I've had, been able fortunate enough to spend a little time with him, but probably one of those two. Yeah. Um, and certainly Red and at least, you know, at the time when I was a real youngster. I don't know if you've been asked this before, maybe because you've been in hockey so long, you've probably been asked every question. If you could be on the bench in one moment again as a coach, what, what, what would that game be or moment be where you could relive that moment that maybe you didn't appreciate that time around? Uh, oh, boy, there's been some really good ones at the NHL level of, whether it's a coach or a management or player, you know, I lost Stanley Cup, so you can't, you can't want to relive that. But, yeah. you know, American Hockey League ones, I coached, played on two and coached three, so any one of them. Um, and maybe when we were with Ottawa, uh, when I was with Ottawa, Alfredson scored in overtime in Buffalo to win the series to put us in the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, uh, they was certainly appreciated, but that's maybe one that, at the highest level, going to play, you know, for the championship. Um, 
Yeah, it's pretty special. Yeah, for sure. John Paddock, coach and GM, joining us here. We're talking about the love of hockey before we talk about the big weekend set. Uh, John, and with that in mind, you know, you're you're caught up in it right now, not only coaching but running the team. Can you really uh, uh, appreciate what's before your eyes with the likes of Connor Bedard, or is that something that's something when it's all said and done you'll look back on and, and really relish this time you've had? Well, I think the answer is yes at both times. I mean, I think we, you know, for quite a while, we know that there's, you know, he's a unique special player. Uh, He was granted the status and he's continued to prove it Mm -hmm. in this league and on the world stage. So um, certainly at times we take him for granted, but to see his preparation and his, his work to keep getting better and, you know, we see that, and you know, it's it's to enjoy our time with him right now, our season to make the playoffs and make some noise, and you know, know that uh, there's a, it's not it's pretty slim that he's going to be back. Yeah, so you guys are rolling a bit right now. You beat three good hockey teams in a row. Did this break kind of come at a bad time because you are rolling? Like, how do you approach this to keep your uh, your mo- momentum's a funny thing. You want to keep it going. How have you been able to do that in this week of practice? Yeah, like that, I guess it's possible, but that's just sort of an excuse. I mean, we've had, uh, had a day off, and we had different, uh, I wouldn't say much different practices, but um, just little things to get their attention and, and to stay focused as a team, and we'll continue to do that because there's another slack week. Uh, so, uh, you know, and the benefit of that is we still got injured guys and Spencer and Chance, and especially Ty's a little bit older player than Chancey, and we look forward to having him back and, you know, doing, you know, strengthening our top six or our top forward. So um, not playing games in that aspect is a little bit, you know, advantage. We've played a lot without him. So, um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, we'll see how it goes, but I, I don't think there's any reasons not to be, at our best game on Friday and Saturday. What's going right for you guys here? Uh, you you seem to be uh, you know tightening things up, uh, capitalizing on your chances too. Well, you know, let's be honest. Connor makes a huge difference to our team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Stan does too. Uh, you know, our best players at those positions. You know, I think we've seemed to since they Connor came back and then Stan, we seem to be able to get back to hopefully and stay there where we were before they left. Uh, before he left after the BC trip. I mean, we would a little bit of a tough goal when we left out there, and our team um, regrouped on a, on a road trip, and, you know, we played well, deserved what we came back with, and, and then when Connor left, we still played well. Like, mm-hmm. our team played played well. It was after Christmas that the break seemed to, we lost something. We lost our team feel or whatever, and I think we're getting that back where we, you know, we're playing for each other, and uh, this is the roster now. There's no more changes. Hopefully we stay free of the injury bug, uh, especially when Ty gets back, and and go from there. All right, uh, John, and you just talked about it earlier in the interview. You've been on skates as a coach or a player for 63 years, so nothing phases you. Th- does this kind of have a playoff feel to it now? You got Swift Kerr twice this weekend. Does it kind of whet your appetite for the playoffs, even though we got a lot of hockey to be played? Yeah, I think it. I think it does, and I think that they're, you know, they're they're a good team. They're a real good team. They've been on a, a pretty good run. Um, I think before our last games, before the weekend, or maybe I'm not sure. I think they were eight and two in the last ten, and uh, 
they have games in hand, but we still managed to stay ahead of them with a record like that. But anytime anybody's eight and two and um, in their last ten, you're fighting for a playoff spot um, with them and other teams. Um, we know it's a big game. John, a pleasure. Uh, good luck this weekend. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. Thanks very much. Yeah, John Paddock getting ready for his Pats, taking on the Swift Current Broncos. You know where to find Pats hockey. Been almost three decades of it right here on CKRM, 620 before that 980. And, uh, yeah, Dante DeCaria on the call, 635 pregame show, 7 o'clock faceoff. And like we said a few minutes ago, they're kind of going back and forth, uh, jockeying for a playoff spot. I will say this about John Paddock. I, uh, I've said it on the air and I've said it in public nothing against the man but I said you know that guy's a terrible interview I don't like interviewing him and I admitted this to him after you know we've t- chatted I said you know what it wasn't you it was me I need to do a better job he's one of those guys where you gotta work a little harder to pull some stuff out right, and yeah. he's, a, he's a little bit quieter of a talker right. so it wasn't him it was me and I, I acknowledge that so he's kind of laughing he's like oh thanks for saying that because a lot of guys well but well, you know, I'm way over here. John Paddock's way down here, so I For gotta, sure. I gotta kind of coax it out of him. But once you get it out of him, that man would have a ton of stories. Absolutely, I mean, he's been around this game longer oh. than you and I've been alive. So. Winnipeg, Ottawa, Philadelphia, AHL, and now four wins shy of 200 mm-hmm. in his Pat's coaching career. Outstanding. When we come back, we'll have more of the Sports Cage, including a chat with Glenn Suter. This is the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. The Riders have It's time for press coverage as former Ryder greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation. And the show is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. This segment press coverage with Glenn Suter is brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan. Check them out online at qualitytire.ca. I'm popping in to see Randy next week to get some tires on the old uh, Nissan Cash. Kai, let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza and speak with Suits. Glenn, uh, thanks for taking my call. How are you this Friday? I am looking forward to a weekend of some football. Uh, pretty decent weather here in the West Coast right now. So uh, we're we're not getting the complete downpour. And mm-hmm. looking to watch some football and, and, and get prepared for free agency around the corner, CFL. There's, there's some important dates coming up. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, as it relates to NFL football, Abby and I were talking about it. Is there anything that jumps out at you in terms of upsets or anything you're eager to watch this weekend? Really like the way Dak Prescott played in, in last week's game. I really did. I, I just he had um, he had that remember Darian Durant in two thousand thirteen in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. You remember how you remember how focused and locked in and you know, every single game something bad happens. It'll, it'll just, it's inevitable. It will, you know, there's a human element out there and you're going to make mistakes and something bad will happen. But if you, 
if you flush it and move to the next play immediately, that's where you actually see from the outside looking in, you can see the sense of urgency that a quarterback will have. Don't worry about that one. We're going to the next one. And the big play happens immediately, and they're right back in the groove. I, I thought Dak Prescott played that way last weekend. Yeah, he did, and I kind of got them as an upset over the uh, 49ers, so does Abby. All right, so let's uh, let's roll along here with some key dates. There, I think it might even be this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't there like a kicking? Mm-hmm. Isn't there a kicking showcase for the national and global kickers in the CFL? What do you make of that? Yeah, I, you know, that's a that's a a lot to to unpack here because first of all, that global initiative. I, I like the idea at the beginning. How many years ago was it, Michael? I, I can't remember even now, about five years ago. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that they, they started that, and Randy Ambrosi. Um, you know, I, I thought the idea in principle was outstanding. I mean, grow the market, grow, grow your fan base from, you can, you can move into different countries like Mexico and just, you know, sell as many hats or T-shirts or have people watching online or however you want to try to turn that into revenues. I thought the ideal was a good one. They went too far in the mandated roster spot, in my opinion. And then what happens from there now is that you're forced to put a player that you're going to put on your roster that you have to because of the rules, or else you play a guy short, which doesn't make any sense. And then you got to go and find the talent you need. And I think at some point with these initiatives – I liked it at the beginning. I thought they went too far in the mandatory roster spot. And now, wh- how much longer are we going to wait until we see revenues? Unless, unless the Canadian Football League has been, you know, creating revenue from this global experiment that they haven't talked about, I'm not sure. And maybe Genius Sports helps in the next couple of years to generate some, some revenues from that, from that initiative. But right now... I don't think there is any. And how long do you wait? I mean, that could be another Canadian. That could be another American player on your roster that really helps your team, and it's not just a kicker. And I don't mean that kickers don't help your team. Believe me, they're crucial in our game. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a kicker camp. Yeah, the global I, initiative has become a kicker camp. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And John Ryan said it before. They're taking jobs away from Canadians. That's at least how it looks. Okay, I had proposed this question, a Grey Cup week with Randy Ambrosi. Hey, what about CFL week coming back? He's kind of cool to that. He thought maybe they should go the digital platform way. And I, okay, if you're going to do that, you better do it right. Like I'm watching Hard Knocks in season with the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know you'll go exactly that way, but we need to have some something like that. You know the Red Black, some of these teams did it behind the scenes. Uh, you know, there'd be own behind the scenes things, and I liked it, but we need more of that. And even Evander Kane in the NHL came out today and said, we need to promote our players better, and that's the NHL. We need to do that in the CFL. Yeah, I don't see ever any NHL promotion like that, ever. No. no. So, and, you know, and it, and it kind of goes without mention because in our country, because we're such a crazy hockey country, which I, you know, I am as well, like everyone else, but um, you know, I, I I couldn't agree more. And I and I think when you know, if you talk to our executive, and I and I'm not in those meetings, but if you know, I, I get the sense that if the Ottawa Red Black need footage or need the voice of Dustin Nielsen or Rod Smith or myself um, or you know Maddie or Color, whoever Dwayne 
Dwayne Ford, it doesn't matter. If they need that footage, they're going to be able to get it. And then they can tell their own stories and put them online even. Just online would be fantastic. And I think that Ottawa Red Black documentary, I haven't watched it in its entirety yet, and I will, but it, it's it got a lot of good buzz. There's a lot of people saying, hey, this was pretty cool to see get behind the scenes and some mic'd up players and things like that. Lastly, I would love to see the CFL take that draft to a bigger thing, to make it bigger than just one or two rounds on TV. Uh, we're planning another uh, CFL draft night here on 620 CKRM. We'd love you to be part of it too, Glenn. I'm asking you that on the air. But we need to make this big. We need to take it to the next level. I'm in, man. Let's do it. And I'm, I'm, that's one thing I've been planning for this weekend is to sit down, look at the free agent list. Uh, you know, a lot of teams right now aren't even re-signing a lot of their own players. There's a few, but, but not a lot. There's not been like, you know, four or five per team a day as teams try to re-sign their own players. I, I even heard Dave Dickinson in Calgary say, He's, he's fully expecting that he'll lose more players than he will feel comfortable with, that he, he's going to lose some guys to free agency. So he's going to probably be heavier as now the GM in that team. He's going to be heavier in the, in the free agent market, bringing players from other teams to the Calgary St. Peter. So, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be an important one. Uh, there's a lot of great talent out there. I'm happy to join the show, as you know. You quarterback it, throw me a couple of passes, and I'll be ready, my friend. All right, we'll get rested up because we're going to need you on draft night. Take care, Glenn Suter. I appreciate it. Okay, take care, man. Have a great weekend, guys. Yeah, Glenn Suter. Here, and when we come back, we'll speak with Kelly Rample about some Western Hockey League action here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And this show is brought to you by our friends at Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. And it's time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. This is Hockey Week in Saskatchewan, and I think this is Hockey Day in Saskatchewan. I know it's Hockey Week in Saskatchewan, and I know a guy that loves hockey. He's my friend Kelly Rempel, our WHL expert. How are you, Kelly? Happy New Year. We haven't talked since then. Yeah, no kidding. It's been a little while. We text a lot, but we haven't chatted on the phone or in person. It's been too long, Ballsy. Yeah, too long. we're friends, but we got to be better friends. Let's talk some uh, hockey here, man. Uh in Saskatchewan. Now, last night, I want to start here. Last night, I'm watching a very good game between the Oilers and Tampa. And this guy, he's a Stanley Cup champ. He's not very big, but he plays big. And we don't talk about him enough. Former Moose Jaw Warrior, Braden Point. Is is he right up there in terms of your favorite Moose Jaw Warriors of all time? 100%. He would be in my top three. I, I When Braden Point exploded on the scene... In that playoff series in 2012, I want to say, and he went off for all of those goals and points in the playoffs as a 15-year-old and uh, scored two overtime winners. In fact, one of them was here at the Brandt Center. The other one iced the series for them in, in the next series against the Medicine Hat Tigers. I just remember thinking to myself, there's no way that a 15-year-old that weighs 135 pounds should be doing this at the Western Hockey League level. And, you know, again, and, you know, we don't need to always 
have every conversation come back to Connor Bedard. But that's kind of the question that everybody asks is, well, is it going to translate at the next level? Well, it certainly did for Braden Point because he hasn't missed a beat. The bigger the stage, the better he plays. The better the hockey, the better he plays. And to see what he's gone on to do in his NHL career, it's, you know, it's unbelievable when you really stop and think about it. Yeah, and you know what? When Braden Point played, a lot of the conversation was about Braden Point. And you're right, every conversation seems to lead back to Connor Bedard. But let's be honest, he's the best junior hockey player in the world. My question to you, Kelly Rempel, is he the best? Yeah, at 17. Yeah, so there that leads me to my question. Is he the best Regina Pat of all time? You know, he'd certainly be in the conversation. I always struggle with those because I didn't see Billy Hickey play. I didn't see Fran Huck play. Uh, I didn't even get a chance to see, you know, uh, like like where would Ed Stanowski fall on that list? I know he's not a forward, but mm-hmm. he, he was one of the great all-time paths. I can only tell you this. In my generation, okay, going back to being a kid, and again, I'm, I, I like to think I'm a little older and wiser and a little more. And I might have been when I was 12. But the two best players that, you know, I think in junior hockey that I've ever seen, period, were both about five foot four, five foot five. And one of them was Theron Fleury, mm-hmm. and the other one was Dale Durkach. So, interestingly enough, the two best junior hockey players that I thought I might ever see were both, you know, small, but unbelievably talented. And now I have to rethink that because of what I've seen here the last couple of years. But to more directly answer your question, you know, I always have a tough time with that. Here's what I know. Dale Durkett scored, I think it was 45 points in the playoffs one year. Yeah. So when Connor Bernard does that, or whatever that number was, I'd have to look then I'll say he was the greatest cat of all time. And who knows? Maybe it'll be this year. Yeah, the way it's going. The, the thing is with Bedard, I think it, you're right. It is hard and it, it is unfair, but I thought I'd ask you it anyway because it is a good talking point. But I will say this. You, Michael, unbelievable what he has done. Dale Durkacz didn't go to the World Junior and set it on fire like he did. Yeah, and and the thing is, is you would let's put it this way: you wouldn't be wrong if somebody stood at a at a podium and said Connor Bedard, the greatest pad of all time. Like you would, people wouldn't boo you no. off the stage. No, they, they they'd have to, and and you could absolutely, you could absolutely make a fair argument um, that would support your your case. I mean. You would you would absolutely be able to justify saying that and not feel like you're an idiot because you, you know, uh, and I think now that I look closer, I just Googled it real quick. Mm-hmm. Playoffs, he had 53 yeah. points, Durkin, in 1984. 53 I in mean, the playoffs. Now, if you're asking, it's a totally different question, best Pat or favorite Pat. Uh, mine is Dale Durkacz. It's, it's, it, you can't, for me, I can't argue it. Like, un- because at 9, at 10, you usually uh, gravitate to that. Uh, you know, whatever your feeling was yeah. at 9 or 10 in music or sports, that's kind of what you carry the rest of your life. And for me, it was Dale Durkacz in that era, the whole beach ball thing with the Kamloops, Junior Oilers, all that stuff. That, 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 that was right in my wheelhouse. 
Me too. Same reason that you and I will always love Ray Elgard and Jeff Fairholm and yeah. and Kent like because when you're young, for you know you you hold on to those memories probably even a little more than we do as we get older. But I'm with you on Durkach. He was just freaking amazing. Okay, he ho- really was. Hockey Week in Saskatchewan, WHL. <laughs> your favorite? Give me, give me your top three favorite barns that you've ever been in or continue to go to. Uh, however, you want to look at it. You know, you might be surprised to hear me say this. I know you're not going to be surprised to hear me say my number one, and yeah. that's the Crut Can and Mooshaw. And I don't just say that. Well, I guess maybe I do. I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to sort of separate your your emotions and your genuine what you actually truly honestly believe Mm -hmm. but i do think that even if i was somebody that grew up a pats fan or grew up a broncos fan or a blades fan i i can't imagine going to an arena that was more exciting and more electric than going to a moose job regina you know game Mm -hmm. on a saturday night back in the 80s at the crush camp yeah i mean it was it was just off the hinges in that place. And and so that's my number one. Um, and not just because I grew up kind of a Warrior fan, but I genuinely just the architecture and everything about that rink, even though it was a dump, um, <laughs> I like that dump. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, that's... You know, I, you know, and I'm going to surprise you with this one, Michael. My, my Probably my two and three would be like the Madison Hat Arena and the Swift Current uh, mm-hmm. Arena because guess what? They're rinks. Like, people can say what they want about mo- – let, so let's take it from a slightly different angle. Let Be perfectly honest, Michael. Yep. What do you think was a more lively, amazing – forget about the amenities. Which did you prefer t- between the whistles to watch a football game from a sheer atmosphere standpoint? Mosaic Stadium now or old – Taylor Field. Uh, I've said this many times, and I know where you're going with this. Old Taylor Field, because Old Taylor Field reminded me of going to a house party where I grew up in Glencairn. It didn't matter if you put a hole in the wall, if you spilt the beer on the rug. You go into the new Mosaic Stadium, and I love it. It's great. Sight lines are awesome, all the amenities, but there's no atmosphere. You feel like you can't really party in the place. Same thing. Literally, Kelly, I agree with your top two. The third one would be the Portland Winterhawks old rink, because it did a game in there. The those would be my top three. But the Medicine Hat Arena, I drove to that rink just for a playoff game one weekend. I forget who. I think it was Medicine Hat or Saskatoon. The Pats weren't even involved because I grew up listening to Kevin Gallant, Peter Lubardius, whatever, and, and, and when the Tigers would score, Steve Tajura scores! And then you heard... Yeah. And I'm like, I gotta be there to hear that. No, I... Listen... And now, and now, look, it's it's like you you know you can hear people now talking on the other side of the of the new uh, arena. Yeah, like I, I understand why Th- there's a need to have comfier seats, more spacious room on the concourse. Why everything needs to be dressed up? Like I understand that putting you know, $100 million into the old crush can and moose jaw would have been a little bit like sticking lipstick on a pig, okay? <laughs> I under—I get I get why people feel that they, they, you know, why would we, you know, duct tape old Taylor Field when we could just build it? I, I get it. I get it. But I'm a guy who's more interested in the atmosphere and just the sheer pandemonium of going to an event 
than I am caring about whether or not the bathrooms are nicer. Like, and maybe I'm weird. No, nope. you know, maybe I'm in the minority of people. I get that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think that the world revolves around what I think. I realize I'm one vote, and I know, and I'm glad they built in the new football stadium, and I'm glad they built a new place in Moose Jaw there, and they're eventually going to build a new place here in Regina. But I just feel like along the way, the 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 euphoric atmosphere of those hockey rinks is just one by one by one by one slowly disappearing. Thank God we still have Swift Current and Prince Albert. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, uh, this was great. I could talk to you for hours. We'll have you on again uh, uh, shortly. And, hey, we got to get together in person and chop it up at lunch like this because, folks, when we – when we go to lunch, it's exactly like this, except on steroids. Thanks for your time, Kelly. Hey, say hi to your kid for me as he's recovering from his surgery, too, if you wouldn't mind. I will, buddy. Take care. Thanks for your time. All right. You bet. Bye now. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome to your CFL report for this Friday. Edmonton Elks defensive tackle Jamin Pelly is officially declared for the 2023 NFL Draft. Today, the NFL announced the names of 69 underclassmen who underwent the early declaration process, and Pelly was on the list. The native of Calgary was selected by the Elks in the 2022 CFL Supplemental Draft, where they surrendered a 2023 second-round pick. The six-foot-five, 330-pound defensive lineman spent the majority of training camp in the CFL preseason working on the O-line before returning to his natural defensive tackle spot for the regular season. He suited up in 16 games for Edmonton recording 11 tackles just down the highway from edmonton the calgary stampeders have inked american db jonathan moxie to a two-year contract extension it'll keep him with the team through the 2024 season moxie played 16 games in his third year with the horsemen and he made starts at three different positions boundary corner field corner and boundary half recording 26 defensive tackles two special teams tackles while leading the cfl with 13 pass knockdowns and for all of that, he was named a West Division All-Star. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Now, uh, I'm in the boardroom, moving all over the building here. This is our site for the uh, Chase the A setup here. You can check it out online. It's the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation in partnership with Viterra. And, of course, we're broadcasting on your voice of Rough Riders Football, 620 CKRM. I'm here with the beautiful and talented Cindy Fuchs. How are you? Oh, uh, let me turn your mic on. Oh, Sorry, there you go. go. There you go. You're looking yeah. good. You were, you're all tanned up. Where were you? I was in Mexico for a little while. Oh, looking yeah. good. That's yeah. awesome. Getting Thanks. away. I need a beach, too. I need a beach. Although. Don't we all? Who could complain about this weather, though? I know. January, right? You yeah. can't complain. And we're not that far away from football, which is exciting. The sooner we can forget about the rider season last year and get to a new rider season. We all had fun at the Great Cup, but let's get to a new rough rider season, right? Yeah, and in between time, we do this Chase the Ace thing. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. fun. It is kind of fun. Now, our weekly prize this week is $1,697. And what's the what's the big total right now? So if the person that wins this week pulls mm. the Ace of Spades, which is Braden Lenius, mm. they would win 26105 
plus the weekly prize. So you're guaranteed to win $1,697. Now, uh, people are familiar with this, but some aren't, so let's not be uh, too naive. We, we know new people come all the time. So where does the money go for uh, from this uh, foundation? So the Saskatchewan Rough Ride Foundation is the charitable arm of the football club, and so we support amateur football throughout this entire mm -hmm. province, all the way from Flag all the way to the Rams and Huskies, mm -hmm. and then education, and mm -hmm. we're in schools all over the province doing uh, mental wellness presentations right now, mm -hmm. reading program, and then also health. Yeah. So we have a great partnership with Jim Pattison, and we've done some visits at the Ronald McDonald House. And we're both sporting Braden Lenius jerseys. Uh, came back after a stint in the NFL, and uh, Regina guy. Uh, it's great to have a local spokesperson. We like all the spokesperson. You know, Cody was the guy last year in terms of uh, the chase, the ace. But Braden Lenius, it's nice to have a local guy that's here. Yeah, and he's here for the off-season because he's doing a ton of work in schools and in the community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've we've discovered that he's a fantastic community guy, so why not help him uh, help us with the foundation? Okay, without further ado, let's right. uh, get things going here, Cindy. Let's get the draw going here and pick this envelope, okay? Okay, we're spinning it. All right. Okay, we have a winner from Regina. Oh, good. And his name is Stephen Tramer. Stephen Tramer, okay, so we're going to get that to our runner, and Curtis will run it down the hall to Abby Stephen Tramer. Be interesting yep. to see. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot again. I forgot. Yep. I, uh, what kind of packages can you buy in terms of tickets? Okay, like, you know, 20 bucks for this, or how does that go? One for 10. Okay. 10 for 20. Mm -hmm. 50 for 100. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> See, I put her on the spot. She's on a big I knew you would do this. Some, I some, knew you would do it. Because I'm interested in asking when they win what they buy, because that's generally how people like, yeah. okay, so that guy bought $20 worth, or he just bought, because it only takes one ticket, but you right. increase your chances when you buy a bigger bundle, right? Right. And, and you could always go in together and just put one name on as long as you have a good faith deal. Well, the one that I remember the most, mm -hmm. 200 tickets for $100. That's oh, the best one. That's the best one. That's yeah. the best bang for the buck. Oh, there. Uh, Ryan. Ryan's oh, yeah. Showing... 50 for 50, mm -hmm. 10 for 25, yeah. 1 for 10, and 200 for 100. That's the best okay. one. Okay. Awesome. Excellent. Um, <laughs> so uh, how has the off-season been going for you so far besides sitting on the beach? Like everything's all systems go. People are happy when the calendar flips. Now you're in a different mindset for a different year, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, yes, Grey Cup put everything behind from the last season, but from the foundation and the charitable perspective, we've gone way out there in the community. Because mm -hmm. it was a couple of years we could not put yeah. players in the community. So, you know, schools are um, booking players all the time. They're going to community events. They're doing dinners. Like, it feels good to be back to normal. And uh, our guys are able to, uh, you know, do the thing they love to do in Saskatchewan. And that really is uh, one of the key things about the Rough Riders. Like, it's a, it's a football team, but it is a community organization. And that, that kind of like taking away your right arm for a good chunk of your time when you couldn't do it in COVID. Yeah, and we couldn't play either for a year uh, either. No so we kind of lost both arms for a bit. But, yeah, when we're in the off season uh, from football, we're in the on season in the community. Now, uh, we could talk about the Rough Riders, but we're always propped up. The team is by a bunch of sponsors. Sponsors. Harvard's a big sponsor of the Riders, but Viterra for this a lottery. Let's give them a shout-out. Yeah, Viterra's been behind this. This is the third year in a row, and they're fantastic partners of both the football club and now the foundation through Chase Ace. Um, they love that we can actually give money back to the entire province mm -hmm. uh, through our foundation. Hey, last time I saw you before the plaza, you had a knee issue. Did you not have a knee issue? Like, I, didn't Dan Clark give you his like little 
little gizmo there. Yeah, did I hit you with my scooter? No, but Dan Clark gave you his scooter, didn't he? he or something? He did, yes. I broke my leg. Yeah. And yeah, that was in July. And so, yeah, Dan gave me his scooter. We both broke the same bone. Now, he recovered a little faster mm-hmm. than I did, mm-hmm. maybe because he's a pro athlete. Yeah. I'm not. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Can you play O-line? Hell no. <laughs> no. How did, no. You bre- how did you break yours? What would you do? I slipped. I slipped. Slip, slipped yeah, and fall, I eh? Slipped and fell and broke it. And... Less dramatic than what Dan Clark did. There's yeah. a guy There's a guy that's been a community guy for a long time for you guys. Oh, he's a fantastic community guy. And you know, he was so good in the community, I hired him. He's working for the foundation, oh, really? booking all our school presentations this year. So we're teaching him all about office work. All right. So I uh, don't... Uh, have Steve Tramer yet, I guess. I don't know. How many times do we call him? Three, three times. times. Three times. So, so far, not. then what do we do? Do we draw again? You get to do it. Oh, you, you're I the get proxy. The, I get the proxy. You're okay. the proxy. Okay, so, so he get he wins the money regardless. He does, of yeah. Home. Okay, yeah. so. But you get to pick his card. Hmm. And so far right now, we just, what is that? The two of diamonds and number 33. So that would be the Chris Zarka number. That's right. what I remember for 33. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, how was Great Cup for you? Did you take in a lot of the festivities? Oh, yeah. I was there the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Did the festivities worked a did lot? Did you get Did you get a chance to have fun much, or was it more work for you? We made work fun. Okay, we, we had to because yeah. it was long days, and it was you know. So we did we did a little bit of both. I can tell you that we were tired. At the I end think night. it was the first time in Grey Cup history that everything was under one roof, like for yeah. a footprint, except for the Spirit of Edmonton. Yeah. They stayed off campus, but everything else. I love the setup. It was yeah. a great setup. It was great. Once you were there, you got to just go from one thing to the next. The other thing that was fantastic, and the you know the Grey Cup Festival Committee put on this amazing unit or place for mm. kids. Yeah, it kids was. and families. Oh, well, and that's gosh. and that's what we that's really what we need in yeah. this. Like, hey, they've got you, they've got me. Yeah, uh, you're way younger than me, but they they've got no. they they've yeah. got uh, they've got us. We love the league, but we need to yeah. get the younger kids involved. So I really thought it was a, a yeah. pretty cool uh, setup there for the yeah. Grey Cup. They did a great job of that. And I, and I can pick. I guess okay. Steve's not there, so I'll pick. Let me. So I, so I just gotta. Uh, you pick a number. Yep. Between okay. one and fifty-two, yeah, but number thirty-three is gone. Yeah, number thirty. This is easy. Then I'm gonna go. My cousin is yep. Dan Farthing, number ten. So we're gonna go number ten. Dan okay. Farthing, former Husky and Rider, great is my cousin over at level ten. So you open it up awesome. there. Awesome. There's number ten. So if it is the if it is the Ace of Spades, the Braden Lennius card. They win the big The whole jackpot. thing, which is, okay, so today Steve has won $1,697, Steve Tramer. Yeah. Uh, but he'll win uh, the big, uh, what is it again? 21, $26,105. Okay, mm-hmm. let's see what yeah. we got here. Okay, I'm opening it. Open it. Oh. Uh, it's the seven of clubs. Seven of oh. clubs. That's okay, Steve. You do not go away a loser. $1,697. And they can start buying their tickets for next week in about 15 minutes' time. Yep. Is that right? Five o'clock. And if they want a subscription, best way to do it because you can actually go to Mexico and you're still entered. That's outstanding. There you go. And all the details are where? Online? Onlineriderville.com backslash foundation. Thanks for your time. You're looking okay. great. Thank you. Time to talk NHL. Now back to your favorite sports talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. This Friday show brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Wherever you're listening to The Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM on the airwaves or on our app, thanks for making this part of your day. One of our great guests, and we have a lot of them, and that's why it's the most listened to sports show in Saskatchewan. 
It's Dave Jackson at ESPN Ref, a former NHL official, their rules analyst. Dave, thanks for joining me. It's Hockey Week in Saskatchewan. So let me ask you this. Jog your memory. What's your first memory of the great game you love, hockey? Oh, man, that would have been probably uh, my mom and dad trying to teach me to skate on a backyard rink my dad made in Montreal. It was, uh, you know, I, I think I think the pictures I have, the snapshots, the Polaroids stuff of uh, me being out in the ice, I was too young to really have concrete memories, but that just, that just you know, um, started my love and passion for the game of hockey and it just grew from there what do you love about this great game of hockey the thing i love about the great game of hockey is that it's for everyone and that's not a cliche what i mean is like i still play hockey with uh, i'm almost 60 and i play with men that are 10 years older older than me it's a lifetime passion um it's played around the world and it's you just nothing compares to it. The speed of it, the camaraderie. I mean, you talk to somebody that plays hockey, even at my age, and you can just sit in the dressing room. You got something in common with. All right, Dave Jackson joining us here, former NHL referee. Uh, what was your welcome to the NHL moment? Do you remember it? And the second part to that question, Dave, did you fully appreciate what was going on at the time? You know, I, I didn't. Uh, people always talk about. You know, your first NHL game, whether it be as a player, whether it be as a referee, you know, take it all in, absorb it. It only happens once. And for me, it was just such a whirlwind. Um, everything leading up to it, and then you're finally out there on the ice and the bright lights, and you realize, man, i got a job to do here. And you just do it. And I think when it's over, you, you don't remember very much about it. It was just, you know, it's just so exciting, but it's so scary at the same time. So, Dave, where, where was the game? Who was playing? Set the scene for me. Sure, I was in Quebec City, which you know was two hours up the river from my uh, home of Montreal. A bunch of friends and family, they all came up to the game, and uh, Guy Lafleur was playing. I'm not sure I told you that before, but you know, growing up as a kid, you yeah. kind of idolized Guy Lafleur, and he was in the starting lineup. He was playing for the Nordiques at the time, and no helmet on, of course, and the hair flowing in the in the wind. Um, that was kind of my welcome to the NHL moment, being on the ice with Guy Lafleur, and uh, you know, I don't think anything could replicate that and then it's just you got a job to do so i on you go and when it's all over you look back on it and you don't remember much about it hey i watched a great game uh edmonton and tampa yesterday on espn uh one of the linesmen goes down so what does that dynamic look like in terms of you have four officials on the ice now you have three how does that change dave uh, well, it changes a lot for the one linesman is left but i mean first off you worry about your teammates health i mean that that looks scary i thought all I could think of is the Evander Kane mm-hmm. uh, wrist cut, and then you see him doing the same thing. You can see the look on his face. He looks down at his hand and immediately grabs it with his other hand, and he's off the ice and gone. But it turns out he's going to be okay. He required 12 stitches in sort of the uh, meaty part of his hand, which which is a good thing. But uh, what it changes is now the linesman's responsible for all the face-offs all over the ice. Uh, he's chasing down icings both ways. He's uh, responsible for both blue lines, and the referees will help him out. So, for example, the play's in deep in the zone. Now that linesman can cheat back to the far blue line when the play starts coming out. And if you get a quick in and out, then the referee who's closest to that blue line will help him out. But, I mean, they get a workout. Okay, in that game, Steven Stamkos is playing. He scored another goal. He's now up to 5.03. I look at this guy, two-time Stanley Cup champ, over 500 goals now, 1,000 points, top pick, I think, in 2008. When I'm watching him, I've been around enough to watch a, a lot of guys like you who are in the same age bracket. He reminds me of a Steve Eiserman type. How about you? 
He does. But, I, I mean, he just sets up there. Actually, it reminds me a lot of Ovechkin, not, yeah. not you know, his physical play. But he just sets up on that top of the circle. Everybody knows he's there, and everybody seems incapable of, incapable of defending it. He just he gets those one-timers and blasts them. I mean, he's just such a talent. I, I remember when he came into the league, you could tell right away that uh, his kid was something special. And just his longevity. And, you know, he, he had some injury problems. I think he broke his leg a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he never seemed to – I mean, he didn't seem to come back quite as strong immediately, immediately after that. But in the last, you know, half decade, he's just been dominant. And I don't think there's any end in sight. I mean, he's only, what, early 30s? Yeah, I think he's going to keep doing it for a number of years. Everybody talks about McDavid. Uh, the one thing about McDavid's game, maybe better than anybody else, and you could point to a lot of things, his edge work on his goal last night, he blows around Cole. Not, I don't know if anybody else can do that. Like, Do you marvel looking at his edge work when you watch him play? Oh, absolutely. He's got to be one of the greatest skaters I've ever seen in the game. And couple that with his size, his size and his reach, I mean, he's almost unstoppable. He just... He goes one way. That what amazed me on that goal was was not just the way he drove the net, but his initial move on the defenseman. He looked like he was going to try to go inside, and it just on a dime he turned and went outside, went wide on the guy. And if you're a defenseman, that's just got to be a terrible, sickening feeling. Going, oh man, I just lost my man. And sure enough, he goes to the net and finds a way to put it in. And one more goal for me, David. He's just the. Uh, He's just such a phenomenal talent. Yeah, he is a phenomenal talent. This is a Dave Jackson, former NHL ref and rules analyst for them on ESPN. You know, the Edmonton Oilers, maybe the best team that uh, you know was ever assembled offensively, uh, probably 85 or 86, and their power play not nearly as good as the one in Edmonton right now on a historic run. That power play is, I mean, it's lethal. It really is. And, you know, when you compare it to those great teams of the 80s, I'm not sure why. Those teams uh, weren't as good as, as what their power play is right now because they had some tremendous firepower on those teams. But uh, I just think, you know, I think players now just shoot. They practice day in, day out. They just go for the corners. If you look at a lot of the goals that were scored last night, they were off the post or off the crossbar and in. I mean, there's not much room. And they're using the players right now are using the perimeters of the net to get the puck in there, squeeze it in. And they're just really good at it. What's your opinion on this, Dave? I, I've heard a lot of people say this. kind of agree. I watch a lot of sports, but I want your thoughts on this. It feels like the NHL doesn't protect its stars as much as, say, like the quarterbacks in the NFL and the CFL, uh, maybe some of the NBA stars. How do you feel when a statement like that is made? And, and just want to get your thoughts. Well, you know, I hear that a lot, and that, that's a, a recurring theme. But what people don't understand is, our stars, you take a guy like McDavid, you can't compare him to a quarterback. A quarterback only plays offense. Uh, the job of everybody around him is to protect the quarterback. Hockey's not like that. I mean, a goaltender might be similar to a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You protect the goaltender. He's got his own little pocket. He's got his crease. He's protected. He only does one thing. He stops the puck. A guy like McDavid, who is a you know, quintessential superstar, he initiates body checks. He plays defense. He plays offense. He's all over the ice, and there's nobody's real job to protect him the way there is on offensive line in, in football. So 
I just think you're comparing apples to oranges there, and there's really no there's no comparison to be made. Okay, and lastly, Dave, I want to talk about instant replay because I was watching a, I guess it would have been a Saturday afternoon game last weekend. It was Dallas and Calgary, and the Flames scored a goal and was under video review. So I think it was Huberto. He turns and he gloves the puck down, and he's skating over the blue line, and it looks like, from common sense, it looks like that's got to be offside. But they didn't have enough to overturn it. And not just picking on hockey, uh, because in football, you see a goal line push. And the guy, the quarterback's obviously got to be in. But you can't see under the maze of all those players. So you just say, well, if I can't see it, I, I, I can't overturn it. Doesn't sometimes common sense factor in? Because I think they even asked Huberto after the game. And he said, yeah, I thought I was offside too. Just your thoughts on that. Right. Uh, unfortunately, common sense really can't factor into video review on, on plays with the puck because then you have to have the, the GM of the call, the team that the call goes against. And he's going to say to the situation room, you show me, you show me proof how you overturn that call. And if they can't do it, if they can't show him a concrete, video replay was brought in to assist. It wasn't brought in to be definitive and, and, uh, make calls from mm-hmm. from far away. It was to assist the officials on the ice to get the call right. And if you say to them, well, we're pretty sure the puck was here. We can't prove it, but I mean, let's use common sense. That's not good enough. Yeah, You, you know, need the concrete proof. Otherwise, the call on the ice stands. I get that's it. That's just the human element. I get it, but I guess probably up there in that situation room, I'm imagining they're probably having the same conversation that I just posed to you. Like, you know, I think... Everybody in this room kind of knows that common sense would tell you he's offside, but we can't we can't flip it around. You know, it's kind of a probably a frustrating thing at times. It's extremely frustrating. I know they deal with that many times when it's a goal mouth scramble. You can see the puck, and then you lose sight of the puck. The goalie's pad is over it. His glove might be over it, and they go, "We know that puck's in the net, but we cannot prove the puck's in the net." Therefore, it has to be inconclusive, and next, the call on the ice stands. Next time we talk, Dave, and I enjoy talking to you, I want to get the uh, the method to the madness in terms of positioning on a goal mouse scramble and where a goalie should be, or where the uh, ref should be. We'll get to that next time. Thanks for your time, Dave, as always. I appreciate it. Anytime, Mike. Thanks for having me. And thanks to Dave Jackson for joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. I tried to get Chris Nyland on today, the former Montreal Canadian from Boston. He was great last year. One of our favorite guests, our listeners text in all the time asking for him again. So he is coming on, but he texted me back. He goes, I can't. He just got, I asked him yesterday, Abby, he just got back to me like 10 minutes ago. And here's why he said, I'm in Hawaii fishing. So then nice. I go on his Twitter at, at Knuckles Nyland 30 and he's got pictures of it. Here's what he tweets. Three Marlin before noon, 350, 670, and 750 pounds. Wow. My body is in shock. It's like fighting Dave Brown three times in the first period. <laughs> we'll ask him about that next week when he's on the show. We'll have more of the Sports Cage after five here for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Thanks for having us on. We appreciate it. We know you have choices. You're choosing us. And uh, yes, we are happy about that. 936-6262, our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. It's located at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, number one Ford dealership in the province. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Now, as it relates to this show on Fridays, we do a thing called Sports Cage Rewind, where we take 
uh, what we think was our best guest or bit of the week and replay it for you. I know you could check it out in podcast form whenever you want, wherever you get your podcasts, and we want you to do that and have a Google review or like of our podcast. But some people don't do that. They still want to, you know, they're not technologically advanced like myself or my program director, Abby White. So they just like to have the radio on. So this we're going to do two of these in the last hour. This first one, I'll tell you what, this guy was the lightning rod in the league. Must watch TV when he rolled to your town. He was Nathan Rourke, and we found out this week he is leaving the CFL for Jacksonville. So here's our first of two Sports Cage Rewinds. All right, here with stand-up guy Nathan Rourke of the Jacksonville Jags. That must have a nice ring to it. Yeah, definitely, definitely still new, so I'm still getting used to it. It's a little bit surreal, hasn't sunk in, but certainly uh, pretty cool when you say it. So, yeah, appreciate you having me on, having me on, Michael. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, it's always good to talk to you too, man. Face of the CFL, you really turn this league uh, on its uh, on its ear, and we'll uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the interview. But what about Jacksonville and the Jags' offer or presentation? Did you did you like in the end? Yeah, for us, it really came down to situation and, and the best chance to, to go in and uh, be on the active roster uh, year one. You know, really didn't feel like it was worth our time to go into a situation where a team wasn't all that interested. The situation didn't yield the best opportunity to get on the field and be on an active roster. And um, we feel like if I was going to be in a practice squad situation, it'd be better just to go and stay with the Lions, right? So um, the, J- the Jack- Jackson- Jacksonville always, um, they, they were big on, on me from the beginning. They were um, uh, very interested, really wanted to give me a chance to compete to be the number two guy. And um, and then, you know, I think for me, it's really important to have at least that opportunity to uh, to make a difference if something were to happen to the starter in Trevor Lawrence. So, um, you know, all those factors was really the big thing. And then obviously the, 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 the opportunity to, to be coached by Doug Peterson, someone who's had a lot of success with young quarterbacks and, um, you know, just a stand-up guy all around. So looking forward to... Uh, all those different things that, that made this uh, decision so much easy, so uh, so easy. C- certainly a quarterback friendly guy, right? Peterson's done a great job with Lawrence from his first year to his second year. What do you, what do you uh, you know? Is that was that a determining factor for you, Nathan? Just the turnaround Trevor Lawrence has had with Peterson. Yeah, certainly part of it. Um, you know, you see. I think uh, first of all, Trevor is a outstanding quarterback, and he's got a bright future ahead of him. Um, but I think that you definitely see a, a huge progression in terms of just what they're asking him to do, but also understanding of the game. And so you, you look at that as an outsider and you say, Hey, you know, on top of all the great things you hear about um, Doug Peterson's character, the way that he treats, you know, everyone the same and, and they're a family over there in Jacksonville, um, you know, you're going to learn a lot of football and you're going to uh, develop and grow as a quarterback, which for me, but you know, at the end of the day, that's what I want to do. I want to get better and uh, put myself in a position one day to be an NFL starter. Certainly can't uh, hurt that you had a connection, albeit brief, with Henry Burris in BC. And then you've got Mike McCoy there, the former Charger head coach, been an offensive coordinator and has ties to the CFL at the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, yeah. We spoke, we, we, uh, we talked a little CFL uh, when, when I was down there from our workout. He, I believe he backed up uh, Dave Dickinson mm-hmm. for a bit when he, in, uh, in Calgary. So, um, Oh, and so he was telling me about how windy it was in Calgary and if I played in any of those games. And um, and so he, he had fond memories. And that just goes to show you, I think, the, the respect that people have for the CFL. 
Um, maybe it's not so obvious, but the people who are involved in football really have respect for the people that come out there. And so I, I really feel like I'm going to have a shot. Um, so looking forward to working with Coach McCoy, but also also just uh, really uh, excited and pumped up to work with Henry Burr, someone that I deeply respect and um, who's been in my corner rooting for me uh, from Jacksonville for uh, for a while, uh, you know, even before the 22 season started. So um, I'm just looking forward to that. A lot of people I feel like are in the building that are hoping that I continue to grow and, and develop uh under their care. Well, Henry went through this too, uh, going down with Green Bay and Chicago. What kind of advice did he give you? Did he give you any key advice? Yeah, when I went down there, he was very helpful. He he gave me some really unsolicited advice, just trying to give give me uh, uh, talk to me about his experience, like you mentioned, and um, you know, was telling me that you know the situation that he went down to wasn't something that uh, he would do again. He he felt like he, he felt like he left the CFL too early and. He ended up being just the third string. Actually, ended up being behind Doug Peterson in Green Bay, mm-hmm. um, which is where the connection is from. Um, but uh, but you know, for me, he just he just said, "Hey, if the situation's right and, and they're going to give you a chance to, to contribute, which I feel like I am going to be able to um, in Jacksonville, be, uh, you know, that, that take advantage of that." And and so um, I, I really appreciated that. And, and like I said, I'm looking forward to working with him when I get down there. So uh, Trevor Lawrence is the guy. There's no doubt about it. But you're always one injury away from playing there or somewhere else. Like we talk about it in the CFL here, Nathan, pro football anywhere. Preseason football, you're not only – it's the greatest job interview in the world. You're not only auditioning for your current team but other teams. Is that kind of how you're approaching things? I know you're a Jacksonville Jaguar. But, you know, training camp, the, the you know, mini camp, training camp, and then the pre- preseason that'll be money time for Nathan Rourke yeah I mean you know obviously I think you think of it one thing at a time right you try to do everything you can to make an impression within the building that you're at but we've done uh, you know 12 workouts and, and and we've been in a bunch of buildings and I've you know shook a lot of hands and and try to make an impression wherever I go and so uh, you know like you said if we have a good preseason then you know who knows what ha- what's to happen um, you know I just it, it just makes more sense uh, to be able to go and be in the NFL and get NFL film, whether it's the preseason or a regular season, um, and, and for teams to evaluate you there uh, in hopes of being an NFL starter rather than playing a couple more years in the CFL, which is something that we thought about. Um, but you're not going to go from the CFL even if I win a couple more, or if I win some great cups or, or win an MOP. Um, you know, I don't think teams are going to give you um, an NFL starting job right off the bat without going through the system a little bit, which is why we're doing it now while I'm young. It you know, will be 25 next year. So that was all part of the, the thought process with the decision. At any point, was it a tough decision for you? Because, I mean, let's be honest, you are rolling in BC, but not only are you the face of the Lions, you were the face of the Canadian Football League, whether you want to admit it or not. You were must-see TV. You were one of those guys like a McDavid in hockey and such. You were that to the CFL. Was it tough at all to make this decision? yeah for me it was it was tough because um i had some really great relationships and had some great teammates and coaches in bc and you know i was familiar with the offense and uh you know the way that things ended last year i didn't feel like we i you know i did my performance to that team justice and so i it was hard for me to let that go and um be able to um to move on from that and um i really wanted to you know run it back one more time with that team and and um, that, that was what made that decision tough. It, it was just, you know, it's just the guys in the locker room and, and the people in that building. So, um, you know, the big good thing is that those people have been very, very, um, very, very kind and appreciative and, 
and very understanding of, of my decision and uh, very supportive. And so um, I know that there's, we're going to be able to stay in touch. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, at the end of the day, what I was um, torn between. Yeah. Uh, how's the injury? How, how, how's everything going with that? I know you played at the end, but uh, have things progressed since the season ended? Yeah, we just kind of try to maintain it the best I can. I, you know, I, I feel a lot better than I did at the West Final, to be honest, and especially in the, the West Semi. Um, you know, but I, I really haven't had any time off. Or these next couple of weeks after the decision, you know, I, you know the next couple of weeks I'll have uh, surgery and, and get the hardware out, which really then we're on a road to being 100%. I think that the, the hardware in there kind of lacked, uh, prevented me from having full mobility. So I was just kind of making uh, use of what I had. And um, so once we get that out, we'll be we rocking and ready to go and and uh, looking forward to uh, what what the future holds in terms of what um, the NFL has. Yeah. Uh, you and your fiance, congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Um, uh, so I imagine here over the next little bit, you said surgery, but you got to look for some places now, I'm thinking in Jacksonville. Yeah. 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 We're doing that. It's It's been it's been a lot of a lot of things happening. We're getting married here in the summer and. And so a lot of things are, are happening very quickly. and But it's all really exciting stuff. I can't imagine anybody else that would rather go on this adventure list. So uh, both of us uh, Canadians going down to Jacksonville, we're going to be uh, snowbirds really early in our, in our <laughs> lives. And uh, we're going to enjoy every minute of it. Hey, um, before I uh, – I want to ask you to say something to CFL fans before you're gone because you've got a lot of fans across the country right here in Saskatchewan too. But you talked about it at the start of the interview. Do you, have you had a chance to really sit and let it marinate? Uh, hey, I am. I I grew up watching Brett Favre. I wanted to give the NFL a go. Now I get a chance to do it. Yeah, Michael. I think uh, when I have a chance to to get down there and spend some time around the team and the facilities and the coaches and kind of get a taste of what the NFL life is is like, and I, that's when I think you'll probably sit in. Right now, still being here in Canada and and you know living in my parents' house, like I think all those things are haven't quite set uh you know sunk in quite yet but i am looking forward to it. it is a dream come true but in reality you know this is where the work really starts and um i'm really looking forward to that and i uh, can't wait for it to happen isn't that funny i'm talking to you like you're the next coming because you really were we were waiting for a canadian studded quarterback for years and, and you lit the league on fire while living in your parents basement i don't mean to laugh but that's kind of funny <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it definitely was i was I, it was something that I was uh, a little ashamed of first year, but you know when I realized how much money I was saving, I, I was I was very happy about it, and uh, you know I, I've, I think I've done pretty a pretty good job of of uh, being smart with my money uh, on a rookie minimum CFL salary, and uh, I'm very appreciative to be able to you know come home and have the support of of my parents and of the rest of the family here in British Columbia. And again, one of the part of the reason that it was difficult was the fact that some family that doesn't usually get to come see me play. I uh, got to see me play a lot of home games, and that was really special to me. I'm um, glad it happened, and uh, very appreciative to uh, to uh, for the opportunity for the Lions. Well, I think you can agree with this. this. The NFL didn't look at you the first time. They wanted you to be a receiver, and now you're back as a quarterback, and that wouldn't have happened without, obviously, your talents, but a chance to have that platform, and that is the CFL. So any message mm-hmm. to CFL fans listening to this thing? Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm really grateful. The reception um, was was fantastic. I mean, uh, it was a real treat to play at BC Place in front of uh, the BC Lions fans, who were just fantastic. And um, but it, it was really special to be able to go to you know away stadiums and uh, some really great places to play. And a lot of passionate TFL fans across the country that were 
um, that were fans of me. And, um, and I, I really appreciate that. I know that there's a lot of pride that um, CFL fans take in their Canadian players. And um, I hope that continues for the, for the next batch of guys and, and the already emerging stars that are in this league. And, um, and uh, I hope that, I just hope that continues. And I just, I'm, I'm very grateful for the, the opportunity it, it was to, to, uh, to really, um, to really, uh, yeah, to make, to make a bit of a name of myself and, and to be able to, to play uh, a game that I love and in front of so many people who were happy to see me play and, and were as fired up as I was. So um, just really appreciative of that. And, uh, it'll be an experience I never forget. I'm very grateful for the uh, the way that uh, my career has gone so far. Well, Ryder Nation will be a part of your uh, history because you were on the field when Mike Riley couldn't play. Didn't start off so yeah. great, but you really came back with a lot of moxie. In fact, I think you guys ran out of time that game, but that was your first taste of professional football, and it was right here in the heartland yeah. of football, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was fun. What a way to start, right? I mean, you got, you got to go to the – like you said, yeah, the, the the heart of the CFL and heart of Canadian football, and uh, it, Mosaic's always going to be a special place for me to play. I mean, we were we were pretty successful playing there this year, uh, this past year. So uh, it's always, what a, a a fun place to win, and um, and uh, just would have liked to have played that last game in Mosaic uh, that <laughs> they played this year. That would have been fun as well. Well, my second favorite team now, the Jacksonville Jags, uh, and they just happen to beat my first uh, favorite team, the Chargers. So, uh, hey, uh, best of luck, my friend, and thanks for uh, taking time out of a very busy time for you and talking to me, okay? Yeah, thanks, Michael. Anytime. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And let's keep the show going. Our own Blaine Weiland from our sports department in conversation with Jim Weens, executive vice president. I'm joined with Jim Weens from Judo, Saskatchewan, and a couple of big competitions happening this weekend in Regina. Jim, welcome. And first off, can you explain, I guess, the two competitions that are going to be taking place in the Queen City this weekend? Great. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, the um, the two tournaments that are going to be going on, the first is the Sask Open um, event that we've had for you know, decades and decades. Standard judo competition, come out, give a try at, uh, at your hand of what everybody's been working on and studying for the last couple of years. Um, the other one is the new one, the Cata Open, the championship, where um, techniques that they're going to do is prearranged. They'll come out with a certain set of techniques they have to do in a certain order, and they're graded on their technical abilities instead of like the Sask Open, where they're graded or scored on, on their abilities as they compete against an opponent. And I guess, uh, Jim, talking about uh, local participation, can you give us an idea of, you know, how many uh, Regina or even Saskatchewan athletes that take part in judo? Sure, yeah. Well, the judo, um, just like every other sport, is, is just coming back into being open and active again. Uh, we're, we're back up now to about 500 athletes throughout the province and, and lots of great clubs, um, bigger clubs in the bigger cities. And, and it's a, a sport that's really starting to develop in small towns as well where there's lots um, – not a lot of other sports to do, and uh, it's a sport that doesn't take a lot of um, equipment to do, so it becomes very attractive to um, be able to grow in those smaller centers. Is judo, you know, like a fast-rising sport, you know, a number that we're seeing more and more numbers of? Definitely, yeah. The uh, the numbers for judo are really, are really rising in, in the province. Um, as everybody gets back to being active again, uh, we're getting lots of people that are coming out trying judo for the first time, as well as people that tried it when they were younger, coming back as, 
as uh, adults that maybe don't want to compete but still want to come out and be able to just be active in the community. And I guess, can you talk about, I guess, what's kind of the schedule uh, for an athlete, like a normal athlete? Is it a situation they practice multiple times a week, of how many months of the year? What's kind of the schedule throughout a season for a typical athlete? Sure. So, yeah, if you're an athlete that has the ambitions to come compete in a competition like the Sask Open this weekend, it would start off probably as, a, as an early teenager. You would come out to a local club a few days a week. You would start off and go through the same belt levels that uh, most other martial arts would go through, where you'll start off as a white belt, work your way up. Um, and as your as your techniques grow and your age grows and um, your your confidence and your confidence in yourself grows, you would go from local tournaments between clubs in the province to bigger, you know, provincial championships and Sask Open like this is going to be this weekend. And can you talk about the skills that are required when you are taking part in judo? I'm sure it's obviously one of those things that help you out with the sport. I'm sure away from the sport, uh, you acquire some necessary skills as well. That's right, yeah. I mean, the, the first thing is, is the first skill is just to be able to fall down, right? The the whole point of judo is to control the other person's body, um, similar to wrestling, bring them to the ground, um, control them on the way down. And then if you don't get a full score for the takedown, then you'd pin them there and hold them down. So that would be the first piece would be uh, how to fall down. And then secondly, how to hold them down. And as you did that, you would go through a bunch of different um, belt levels until you uh, had enough skills and ability through local competitions between just a few of the local clubs to um, the point where you'd be able to in competitions like this Ask Open this weekend. About how many competitors are taking part and exactly where are they all coming from? Yeah, we're, we've got about 320 competitors coming in. Um, almost every province in the, in, the, uh, in the country has athletes coming um, everywhere from BC to Prince Edward Island and even a few athletes from Yukon are attending. Uh, it's great for us. It really is important. The the idea of having a Sask Open has been around for a lot of years, ever since I was a young kid in the sport and competing myself. Sask Open was a big event to go to uh, provincially. But the last few years, it's been become an accredited um, competition with Judo Canada, which then attracts a lot of athletes from across the country that have ambitions to compete on national and international teams on behalf of Judo Canada. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Back on the Sports Cage, I'm Blaine Wallen, joined with the fans for the Regina Pats, Tanner Brown. And Tanner, uh, just want to get your thoughts about the buzz in the building that was here in the Brand Centre last weekend, those two games against Saskatoon and Portland. Was it like playing in front of those two big crowds? Yeah, obviously it's super fun and it brings a lot of energy to our group. When you get that, you know, big energy, how do you feed off of it? feed off of it. I know a lot of players, you know, like to score big goals, but is that a situation where you like to step up your physical game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything you can do to, to uh, get guys on the bench uh, rolling and, and that kind of stuff is something I always look forward to do. Can you talk about the, the defensive game over the last couple of weeks? I, I know you guys probably struggled out of the gate, you know, from the second half from the Christmas break, but uh, you guys shored up things in your end over the last couple of weeks. What do you think has been the big changes? I mean, obviously, Stan coming back is a huge part of that, um, and I think in practice, you know, we really dialed some things in uh, that were lacking when we came back from Christmas. You talked about uh, Solzel coming back. You want to talk a little bit more about exactly what his impact is? Yeah, I mean, obviously he's so calm and and, uh, poised with the puck, and he's uh, so strong when he skates. uh, He pretty much breaks it out himself every time, so it's, it's a treat watching him, and it's really good to have him back. 
a big day that was recently passed in the WHL, of course, with the trading deadline. What was the vibe inside of the locker room for you guys, you know, leading up and after the, that big day? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been on the other side of it. I think lots of people are a little bit anxious and that kind of stuff. So I think as an older guy, you kind of just, you know, it's just another day. And if something happens, it happens. It's not like you can control it. And folks, Pat Chat is brought to you by our good friends at the Canadian Brew House. Check out everything on the CBH's new feature menu at thecanadianbrewhouse.com. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time to head out the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. And Annie McNamara, our betting expert, joins us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. This Friday show brought to you by Nelson Holmes. Andy, welcome to the show once again. Divisional round. Let's get right to it. I would tell you that I I can't see Jacksonville pulling off a miracle again this week. Oh, Ballsy, I, I tried talking myself into it. The fun story that uh, Trevor Lawrence has never lost on a Saturday. Well, yeah, first time for everything. I think that first time comes uh, in Arrowhead against the Chiefs. I will say this, though. That nine-point range, I, I just feel that both teams are so well coached. It wouldn't surprise me for the Jags to cover I just don't see how they win, though. Like, it's a nice story. They've done enough. Like, to, to even make the playoffs was enough. To win a game, this is borrowed. You know, this is free cash for them. On the other side, though, Baldy, they're, they're playing loose. They know that. They know they got nothing to lose, just like the Giants. So, could be interesting. How about the Giants? About the Giants, Giants and the Giants Eagles, and man. The Eagles, I don't think the Eagles are getting respect for being the top-ranked team. I'm with you. I'm with you, man. And, and it might be because Jalen Hurts hurt a little bit down the stretch. But, look. This team is so well put together. It's so uh, – I feel it's able to adapt quite well. You have Dallas Goddard back for a few weeks. He's in full stripe. A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Miles Sanders in the backfield. you got two other running backs who can compliment him. Oh, yeah, Jalen Hurts can run real good too, and he's healthy enough and he can throw the football. Uh, oh, and the defense, solid. Again, like with the Giants, tremendously coached. Brian Sable should be right at the top of the list with Doug Peterson for best coach teams. But – um, I, I, I don't see them being able to come out of this one. Now, again, we look at this is a divisional game. So seven and a half points. Would it surprise me if the Giants hang around and we look back and it's a three to five point game? Like I'm looking on the DraftKings Sportsbook now, seven and a half over under set at 48. I feel it could be one of those games where the Eagles, you never feel like they're going to lose, but they never pull away. You know what I mean? Just because of that divisional familiarity. Mm-hmm. So Josh Allen is a guy that uh, really benefited from Bar- uh, Brian Dable, the man you just mentioned. Brian Dable uh, goes to the Giants and has a Daniel Jones playing some pretty good football. Never thought he'd win a playoff game, but here we are in round number two. Um, the, the, the Bills play exciting football, but sloppy football. However, I think the Bengals are too banged up on the O-line to win this one. How about you? Well, how about you? Well, great points. And if I'm looking here at the uh, DFS play on the DraftKings fantasy lineups, Josh Allen, second most expensive quarterback, rightfully so. The guy's putting up money points, 26, 27 fantasy points right there. I think the best value, by the way, if you're doing a, a DraftKings contest, Baldy, Trevor Lawrence, 6000 bucks, He's 2000 less than everybody else. Wow. And the guy's getting you 20-plus points. I think there's a heck of a value there. But for Josh Allen, it is sloppy. This is interesting because the O-line, that jumped to my mind too. I'm like, oh, that's not good. They're banged up. But if you look at it, it's now reverted pretty much to the same offensive line that the Bengals got to the Super Bowl with last year. True. So 
you know, on that front, it's like, okay, it's not ideal, but you certainly can overcome. Their defense, I think, is underrated. And the, the old chip on the shoulder thing, Ballsy, that's, you know, sometimes it gets thrown around. People make it up, oh, chip on the the, the Bengals can legit have two boulders. Think about this. The whole world, if you're a sports fan, even a, a, a basic one and you don't even care, you're cheering for the Buffalo Bills because of DeMar Hamlin. You, everybody wants the Bengals to lose. Imagine that messaging in the locker room. Nobody wants you to be here. And the extra chip, the Pringles stack on top of that one, is that, uh, oh, the NFL disregarded you defending AFC conference champions. Ah, the Bengals, they didn't get a coin flip. Ah, yeah, you know, it's, it's okay. You don't get a home game. Oh, boy, man. Mm-hmm. I think that if they can overcome the emotion of the Hamlin emotion being at home in that first quarter, and you leave that first quarter tied or down by three, I think the Bengals can win this ballgame. Yeah, I don't disagree yeah, with I don't you. I disagree with you. Is this the upset of the weekend, or do you think that uh, Cowboys game could be the upset? Be the upset. Boy, you know what? I would. Mm, you know what? I think if anything's going to be the upset, I'm feeling the Bengals. I just feel the God. The 49ers are so well coached. Oh my god! Like they're just so, like okay. If it comes down to a close match, who do you want playing chess for you, Kyle Shanahan or Mike McCarthy? Uh, I'll take Shanahan while uh, McCarthy goes and gets up the bingo card. He doesn't know what's going on. Uh, this is. This, <laughs> I think we see. Bengals possibly with an upset. Now, Buffalo comes in, Naheem Hines runs back and kicks for a touchdown to start the game again. You know, uh, it's probably going to go Buffalo's way. But look at the line. Vegas knows. Five and a half points for a home game versus Buffalo. That's something that shouldn't be overlooked. Yeah, you know, I don't disagree with you. Like, I want the Bengals to win. win. Um, It's just Uh, that offensive line that could be an issue. But you're right, it does revert back to the Super Bowl run for them. They've done it. Yeah, they have done it for sure. If I'm ranking the if coaches, ranking too, because coaching's too, important, coaching's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you, know, you got to look at Andy Reid as number one in the playoffs right now. Number two is probably two Kyle, is Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan because, let's be honest, because Purdy's good, good, but that's a systems that's a deal, deal there. And then I'd put Zach Taylor at three. You know what? I would put Sean McDermott ahead of Zach Taylor, and the only reason is watching that team pretty closely, and credit to them for what they've done, but he still is a little bit of young offensive coordinator guy and can get a little bit away from a, a evenly called ball game. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Sean McDermott, while you were right, look, the Bills have been sloppy, but it seems like he has a little bit more of a balance where Zach Taylor can be like, okay, I'm playing Madden here. Let's keep throwing the ball. But the Bills, here's the, the interesting part. They're, they're sloppy, but Josh Allen can throw three interceptions. He's like, cool, I'll throw four touchdowns. Or I'll run in a couple. He doesn't care. He is like the actual gunslinger mentality. That term gets thrown around so much. This guy doesn't care. He will just keep doing it. The Bengals, though, are I feel they're, they're more diverse. With the Bills, it's like, okay, it's going to Stephon Diggs. Then you got some guys. Right? They don't really use the running game. They've been Singletary, James Cook sometimes, but they don't really let them do too much. Where the Bengals, okay, you like yourself some Jamar Chase. What other flavors? How about some T. Higgins who can go up and get it? Tyler Boyd. Look, you talk about a value play. Uh, Tyler Boyd mm-hmm. drafting mm-hmm. super cheap, and I would take the over on the sports book too for his uh, his uh, receiving yards. That's a sneaky guy that I don't think is getting enough respect. And then you got Joe Mixon who can jump in. And if you heard his comments today, that dude's mad, and he's always kind of mad, but he's mad that they're not getting respect. I love it. That's gonna be. I, I think that's, that's my be, favorite game of the weekend. To be quite honest with you, uh, before we go, before we go, the NFL the makes NFL me scratch, makes my, me head. scratch my head. Greg Roman. Greg Roman. 
turns Alex Smith into a, a really good quarterback, takes Colin Kaepernick to a Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson is the unanimous MVP, and he's out as Ravens OC. And the Chargers fire everybody but keep the coach, the head coach that basically blew that game for them. Did you see I tagged you in that tweet? Yes, it's I like saw. The ownership is like, oh, we believe he's a, a great leader. I'm like, yeah, sure about that? <laughs> yeah, really? Okay. Yeah, it's uh, look, the Greg Roman thing, they built this offense around Lamar Jackson, and you're not fully sure if Lamar Jackson is going to be here long-term or wants to be here. I think Greg Roman, as an offensive coordinator, is um, pretty predictable, but for what the, his marching orders were to build the team, I thought he did a good job. And I'm sick of the conversation, too, Ballsy, too. Can the Ravens get a receiver? They get him receivers every year. Guess what? At some point, it's not them. It's you, Lamar. You can't throw the damn football. I you agree. Can't do it. I agree. You and, can't and, do it. And, and this, isn't, it. this isn't your Cleveland Brown hate. I think he is a great is a athlete that athlete happens yes. to play quarterback, but he is not a great not quarterback. A great quarterback. Amen. And I'll give you some examples of guys who uh, can use their legs and actually produce with their arms. I don't know. Uh, Josh Allen. We can see that. He was, and Jalen Hurts. You look at the develop. Lamar Jackson never developed as a pass catcher. And people can point to the stats. BS. The defensive strategy against Lamar Jackson is to have him throw the football. That's a fact. Now, when you look at, let's say, a Jalen Hurts and his growth, legs first year, cool. Now the guy, and I said it coming right out of college, that guy's an underrated passer of the football, and he continues to prove me right. He is getting better. And he's developing. Lamar Jackson hasn't been able to develop because, one, I don't think he's ever had the iron talent, and, two, he can't stay on the field the last two years because he runs too much. The best ability is availability. And, look, as a Browns fan, I hope the Ravens sign him to a $400 million contract so they screw up their whole salary cap. <laughs> that guy is going to get franchise tagged, and you can get him out of here. Okay, and lastly, okay, and if you were the Bears <laughs> GM, would you GM, trade would Justin you Fields and uh, draft the quarterback at one? Because I think Fields could be kind of hurts this year. You know what? Um, yes, I, I, th I think that his line of progression is lined up with Jalen Hurts. Now, his spike up didn't happen as much as Hurts, but I think you can have that type of thing. We saw him run for – and let's face it, year one under Nag, good Lord. The fact he isn't a bust is remarkable. So I think if you're the Bears – why you saw growth build the fields guess what you can you can do you can either trade those picks to get more assets or you can just go and build i don't know around your young quarterback and go on a run offensive they need a ton of help they need help pretty much everywhere you have those ads go get it go get keep it why why bring in another rookie who maybe 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 you got a guy why start over yeah for sure yeah, tell for us sure. where they can tell find you Andy. Find you, Andy. Oh, man, you can get me on Twitter at AndyMC81, uh, the show at Six Pod Brown. Uh, interviewed, hey, if you're a wrestling fan, Jerry the King Lawler, I interviewed him last week. That show is up. It's phenomenal. you got to check him yeah. out. We talk all things NFL, betting, and some fantasy stuff, too, so tons of fun. Andy, thanks for your Andy, time, man. Always fun. Time, man. Always fun. All right, brother. Talk to you. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. All right, we're headed down the home stretch here. The show is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. I'm about to uh, step out for a few days. I want to thank Abby White, our program director, for stepping in here and yeah. doing a great job. Thanks, man. I'm away on Monday down south visiting my kid. Not like I'm going to Alabama. I'm going to Grand Forks. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, going to take a day off. Brandon McGuire and Pete Pasco will be in here. Sean Kleisinger back on the operating side. We leave you with our second sports cage 
Rewind, where we go back in the week and uh, revisit with the guests. And before I do that, I want to remind you, Pat's Hockey coming up, 6.35 pregame show, 7 o'clock face-off from Swift Current. But we caught up with Jeremy O'Day earlier this week to talk free agency, and uh, we'll hear from him. I will talk to you on Tuesday. We got about uh, probably 500,000 GMs in the province, to be honest, as you know. So uh, we'll get to that in a second. On the Manning cast for Monday Night Football during the playoff game, I think they were talking about the Chargers collapse 27 nothing, and Eli and Peyton were kicking it around. And Peyton said, I don't know. Halftime adjustments are a myth. He goes, I don't even know in my 18-year career if we did a halftime adjustment. We go in, we use the bathroom, have a couple of oranges, and the coach says, all right, let's go. Are halftime adjustments overrated, Jeremy O'Day? I would say they probably are overrated. I, th- I think that uh, there's certainly a lot of work that goes on. It's it's uh, a hectic time for the coaches. They they fly down from the press box and they meet in the coaches' uh, locker room and they're really just just kind of going over what they've been seeing right on offensively and defensively. And if this is what we're getting a lot of, and these are the things that we want to do to try to beat them. Um, but if there was you know, a lot of the adjustments happen during the game uh, as you're seeing them, but you know, you kind of just get a summation at a halftime, and then, mm-hmm. and then from there, they're into the locker room. They're they're gathering their group to kind of tell them what they've been seeing, and and so there's some adjustments that are going on. I, I don't know if it's uh, as big as everyone thinks. I think <laughs> that, you know, one half could be different from the other half, and and everyone thinks, boy, they they had some great halftime adjustments, and and the reality is the players just have adjusted to what's what they're seeing, and and maybe even play better. All right, uh, Jeremy, ahead of free agent. What does it look like for you and your cohorts there? Like, like, do you have a board, like you would a draft board, like a free agency board with uh, priorities in terms of, uh, you know, maybe position or players, your own guys? What does it look like? Yeah, you're exactly right. So it's very similar to how you'd have it set up with a draft board. So you, you break it down by position. Um, you kind of rank the positions as you see them. Um, you're gathering information on, on different things about each player uh, as you're ranking those guys. Um, as guys are getting signed by other teams, you're taking them off the board and adjusting kind of your approach at, at times, um, which is it's it's a very fluid thing. But, yeah, it's a draft board that we set up. Um, we actually – it's a little more digital now than it used to be, and um, it's not so much the magnets and, and mm-hmm. moving them around like like uh, back in the day, but um, very similar where you're actually working uh, on the computer and moving them around. And then um, as you get really close to the draft, we'll we'll set up a, a board in the uh, in the war room here and, and have it in front of us so we know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jeremy O'Day, we got a text from a listener, and it was a good question from I believe Hal. Go ahead, Zinger. Yeah, Hal's asking. Uh, I'm really impressed with the Riders' offseason signing especially Gerald Hawkins and four-star recruit quarterback Zarek Copper. Just wondering if uh, Jeremy O'Day could tell us a little more about uh, these two players. Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously one of the focuses for us is is trying to bring in some good competition at the tackle position. So Gerald Hawkins was someone that, oh boy, I actually saw as a rookie when he was in camp with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we saw him all the way up until uh, this last year when he was in camp with the Saints. And so just a real athletic uh, tackle that we feel that will fit our, our, our league real, real well. We've been after him for a while and really it's about uh, just timing with those guys. And Zero Cooper's a, another guy that actually came to our free agent camp that we had in September. Um, we actually worked him out twice, once in Atlanta and once in Dallas and uh, really impressed us with his arm strength. He's a big, a big, he's a big quarterback. Um, he's got great size, but he's got a, 
an exceptional arm with them. So we're excited about those guys. Um, you know, not 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 ranking uh, by priority, but we're we're excited about both those guys to come and compete. And um, with Hawkins, we're 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 hoping for big things from them. Now you were uh, you were quoted as saying earlier, I think, with Three Down Nation uh, during the CFL uh, winter meetings that you know our old line. Obviously, we got to do some work, but maybe it wasn't as bad as it looked, Jeremy. But if you were looking at the O line, would it be the tackle position that does need to uh, improve? Do you maybe just overall need to get a little bigger? Do you think up front? Um, I don't know necessarily know if we our size was was as big as people make it. I've heard that a couple times in the off season that we need to be bigger. I, I understand um, that you know the bigger you are, the more space and. Um, you know, people would think that uh, that size is a huge thing, but um, you know, in particular, I think that we can we can try to improve it at tackle. And again, um, maybe maybe the way we're doing things a little differently will will help. Um, but yeah, in particular, I, I would say that we're trying to improve uh, at that position. And it's it's uh, it's a, it's a tough position. There's a lot of a lot of people that are after uh, good mm-hmm. quality offensive tackles. If you look at it in our league, there's not a a ton of guys that are established that are that are all stars or or on their way to being it. So um, we're focused on that. That's obviously one of them, but we got a lot of work to do in, in all areas. Yeah, okay. So this is Jeremy O'Day, the Rough Riders GM, joining us here on the Sports Cage. Um, I heard your offensive line coach, Anthony Vitelli, uh, say, I want my guys to be tough. <laughs> what, what, but what does tough mean to you, Jeremy O'Day? Like what, that, that's an open-ended word. What does it mean to you? I think it's just about really just get, getting your job done and 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 doing it efficiently, but also um, just getting up after every play and have that work like mentality, right? So be able to to play physical and and play through some injuries. Obviously, you get dinged up quite a bit uh, when you're when you're in the trenches, but just to have that consistency, um, guys that are working hard. I I, I truly believe that our, the offensive line they're they're a close group, and our guys were a close group. They obviously had a, a tough year last year, but. Being tough is is, uh, is setting the tone in the game and and playing physical, right? So that's that's how I believe the offensive line plays should be should be physical. Um, offensive linemen always like to run block, but you, you know you can be physical in both both sides of, uh, of of run plays and pass plays, and um, just just having that workmanlike attitude. I had the local guy Brett Jones on earlier, and he had said, um, "You know, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm trying to get into med school at the U of S. If I don't, I'm definitely interested in in, in playing football. I want to go out in my own terms. I feel I have a lot of gas left in the tank, and I would be opening to uh, to listen uh, to CFL teams, riders included. Uh, I know uh, Coach Dickey said you had reached out to Brett. Uh, that that's going to be interesting for you, just monitoring that situation, and and of course looking at the quarterback spot. I would assume." Yeah, for sure. So we've had some conversations with Brett, my, myself personally, and, and he's reiterated exactly what you just said and what he said on your show that he's he is looking into med school and still feels like he's got some uh, football left in him. Uh, we certainly would have interest in him, and and really it's just about um, about him deciding on um, what he wants to do in the future, and um, certainly someone that we would have interest in and feel uh, that he's a great football player and certainly would help us on the field and off the field. So um, definitely. definitely Definitely interested in, in Brett, and uh, really just comes down to uh, him making a decision whether he wants to play or not. Uh, Jeremy, did you see enough out of Fine and Dola Gala to warrant an invite back to camp to uh, to compete for uh, jobs there in the quarterback room? Yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely seeing those guys come back and compete. I think you know, like to see a, a little more sample size, but I think they've shown enough. 
throughout uh, Mason's two years here and, and Jacob's uh, second year, or sorry, going into his second year, that, that we definitely want to bring them back to camp and, and give them a chance to compete. I think that, um, you know, Jake in particular was, was really put in a hard spot in a couple of games where he had to, he had to play because of uh, certain, you know, he played the COVID game where he didn't have a lot of prep. And then the game that he did get in, uh, if you remember, that was the, the flu game that we had in Winnipeg that we had to actually drive him over yeah. from, uh, from Regina to get him there. And, and uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Jake was actually sick during that game too. He kind of kept it to himself, but we found out after the game that he was, he had the flu like the other guys, but he really wanted to play. So different quarterbacks are both different. Obviously the size is one thing. Um, one's got a real strong arm and, and, uh, and the other one has been super successful in, in college and, and got more play time this year. So, um, comfortable with bringing them back to, to compete and, and uh, that's what we're, we're looking to do with lastly Jeremy O'Day are you confident that you can find uh, a quarterback that's going to direct this team whether it's the guys that you we talked about earlier or somebody else out there that you can bring in here to lead your team uh, to a victorious season Absolutely. I know that I've been asked uh, many times uh, at different places who's going to be the quarterback this year. And, um, you know, that's something that's going to be determined. Uh, uh, might not even be determined until we get to camp, but we're we're definitely going to we're working hard on that. And, you know, we'll see how free agency treats us. And we're we're keeping all uh, all the all the options of, available. And um, we've gone through and obviously we've we've ranked our quarterbacks how you'd like to get them but you're you're also uh you're, you know it's a fluid situation with free agency and you know where guys will will end up or or who wants to be uh come to Saskatchewan to be our quarterback and um certainly could be someone that uh that 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 someone else isn't expecting